Oh. Once again, I am back again. I am 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast. The best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. Tonight, we're going to watch Cleveland versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, the infamous Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers that have been a playoff contender for almost 10 to 20 years, the Pittsburgh Steelers that with and without Big Ben Roethlisberger, they seem to be not playoff contenders. Going to talk about that game, I'm going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, I'm going to have it playing on in the background, I don't know if I'll cast it fully. But some interesting news coming out of not Pittsburgh, ironically, but Cleveland, because we all know how Cleveland is. Cleveland is Cleveland. I do want to talk about Dak Prescott. You know what? There hasn't been. It's been a very, very slow news week. I've, I've actually had to try and scrounge for stories to have on the twenty, oh, to have on the podcast. It's been very, very hard for me as a content creator, where when content doesn't come easy to me, I have to scour. But you probably don't care. You're probably thinking, well, 24, can we get on with the show? Yes, of course. Everything that I just said and more will be on this podcast right here on 24's podcast. Uh, Mason Rudolph. Hold on. There we go. Sorry about that. Mason Rudolph. With the early game snap to James Conner, he gets like no yards. Pretty interesting story coming out of uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I think that, what's that guy's dude name? What's his name? Antonio Galloway. I have the article on my phone. His name is like Antonio Galloway or something like that. Got released by the Browns. What's his freaking name? What is his name? Hold on. Yeah, Antonio Galloway. Just got released by the Browns, uh, apparently because he failed some type of drug suspension. Uh, I've never seen that before. You don't usually just cut a player because of like a drug ban. And I'm reading another article that was from six hours ago. It's like apparently he was cut days after uh, discipline. I, I I don't know. I don't know why he was cut. I don't really get why exactly he was cut. Do I really care that much? Yes and no. Here's the reason why I care, kind of. And (laughs) that's pretty pretty bad. But here's kind of like, I care and I don't care. But here's the reason why I think it's interesting regardless, whether I care or not. The reason why it's interesting is because Antonio Callaway is actually a pretty good wide receiver for the Browns. Like the Browns deceivingly have a lot of good wide receivers except the quarterback he's he's not playing very well he's not playing very well but they do have a lot of really really good wide receivers so some teams like for instance the Philadelphia Eagles they have been indebted they have they have been in debt not indebted they have just needed a wide receiver for the past six to eight weeks and they haven't received one yet why haven't they received one yet I don't know I don't know they didn't go after Antonio Brown. They didn't go after Des Bryant. Those two guys are hanging out there for obvious reasons. I don't think I need to get into them. But every single time a new wide receiver keeps coming up, the Eagles are in the bidding war to try and get him. And I don't understand it. For me, at least, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. 
It's kind of like the same thing with Jared Goff. It's like, you know, he's he's had a lot of opportunity. He's had a lot of chances to uh, to be successful within this league. And, um, you know, he hasn't really taken advantage of those opportunities. Speaking of which, let me ask you a question. As a viewer, right? If I told you Cleveland versus Pittsburgh, that's going to be the the primetime Thursday night football game. Would you be excited? Would you be sad? Would you? What, what exactly would you feel if you, this was the primetime game, which it currently is, unfortunately? Because I'm starting to think that maybe the NFL should be a little bit more flexible with their primetime schedules. That's just, that's kind of just what I'm starting to think because I'm like, you know what? Some of these teams, man, I really, I really would not want some of these teams to be on primetime. And because Cleveland was so stacked as a football team, as an organization, because they they uh, they got Antonio, not Antonio, Odell Beckham Jr., they had Njoku, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, who I have no idea if he's playing or not. He's supposed to be off of suspension, by the way. I think he's actually in the game right now. I think so. I don't know his jersey number. Yeah, Nick Chubb is 24. He's 27. Kareem Hunt is, so yeah, he is playing right now. But I thought this team was supposed to be more dynamic. I thought Baker was supposed to be way better. I'm not going to lie to you. I have no idea why he's... He has 59% completion percentage. Nine touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That fucking sucks, by the way. He has 2,000 yards. So at least least his yards are there, but his touchdown-to-interception ratio, it stinks, man. He has more interceptions than touchdowns. He has less... He has less than one touchdown a game. That sucks. That's like, that's like, those are the stats that put you on the bench and in a backup role. Wow. Wow. Kareem Hunt just had one hell of a catch from Baker Mayfield. It was a back shoulder fade. He goes out into the flat and he just runs a go route. It's a, I mean, not only does he run a flat note, well, I, I, I don't know what the hell he was running. As soon as he saw Baker scramble, he's like, let me just, let me just run out go out of the flat, he, it was actually an in-breaking route, then it was, then he turned into an outside route, then he turned into a, a, a go route, like, Jesus Christ, man, they're gonna play fake it to Nick Chubb, Baker firing, oh my god, <laughs> oh Jesus, you know, didn't I, I was talking so much trash about the Browns, Baker Mayfield play action pass to Odell Beckham Jr. and it's a sweet touchdown. It's like this is what I thought. This is what I thought the Browns would be. This is exactly what I thought the Browns would be like. I'm like, where was this for like eight? To, the, the, where was this for like ten weeks? Jesus Christ! Play fakes it to Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield steps up in the pocket, delivers a strike to Odell Beckham Jr. who has his quarterback beaten. And I'm like, where the hell did this come from? First series, first drive of the game, and they're already up seven points? Come on, man. Jesus Christ. I, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't get it, man. I mean, for a guy that was... Uh, o- Odell has not looked like Odell. I, I, and I mean, he just, he, just beats the, he just beats the dude. Oh, my goodness. It's like, later, Gator. I'll see you later. I'm just going to celebrate and stand in the end zone for like one of the first times this season. 
What just happened? That was like an actually... <laughs> that was actually like a good football drive. I'm like, wow, I'm I'm very, very impressed. I think the Steelers went three and out, and then Baker Mayfield, beautiful touchdown to Odell Beckham Jr. I'm like, I, I just... Yeah, that's that's a touchdown. That's a that's 100% a touchdown. I'm like that was exactly what I thought the Browns would be like. They got to figure they got to figure this out, man. They got to figure that out. Wow. Well, 7 and 0 Cleveland. Like the first series of the game, I'm like, "Wow, you guys you guys have done that literally all season long and you guys would would probably be second or first in your division. You have way too much talent. Jesus Christ, man. They're seeing if he's down or not. They think he's down. I I think I don't I don't know. Yeah, no, he was he was down. He was down at like the one yard line. Odell isn't in the game. He's he's gassed. He has to get some oxygen. First and goal, Baker Mayfield under center. Motions of the tight end inside, then outside. Oh, it's a quarterback sneak to Baker. To Baker Mayfield. He throws the ball. <laughs> he throws the ball down. He celebrates with his offensive lineman. This is a divisional game now. And this is just after I was like, you know what? Oh, he takes a shot, man. He takes one hell of a shot, too. This is like after I said, you know what? Is this an interesting game? Is this a game that you wouldn't want to watch because this is Cleveland and the Steelers and both of them, they're probably not making the playoffs. The Browns are three and six. The, uh, the Steelers are five and four. The Steelers are way closer to making the playoffs than the Browns, but still they're, they're not, not that close. Let me look up something here. Cause, uh, I was watching, I like to watch some sports shows here and there. I like to watch some sports debate shows to, Kind of see what's going on around the league, become more informed, get some interesting topics for the uh, for the show. And there we go. Okay. And where was it? What was that video that I was watching today? Something interesting actually was said. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I don't I, I can't remember exactly where it was, but he pretty much said, like, let me let me actually try and find it. But uh, not not Dak. Colin Cowherd said something really, really interesting. I'm not I don't. In fact, I can just quote him. He pretty much said that Dak isn't a natural thrower of the football. Did he seriously say that? He said it. He said it like either it was today. Lost. Sorry for that. He said it either today or yesterday, and I was like, I gotta play that clip on the podcast, because that's like the most asinine thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That's like, a, and I was thinking about it as I was laying in bed today, I was like, man, that's that's such a buzz phrase, that's such a buzz word, like, he's not a natural thrower of the football, yeah, he has 463 uh, yards and 397 yards and 408 yards on the season. But he's not a natural thrower of the... What? Hold on. 
We want Deshaun Watson because they're in the same conference. And Deshaun's way better. Which me, just a radio TV Dabble Swinney's like, he's Michael Jordan. Gave up picks to move up. Not Trying to find it. It could be in this video. It could be not. He's talking about Trubisky and how John Fox didn't want him. Why you're I think I think I talked about it yesterday or I, I can't remember. I've it's been a while since I did my last podcast, but I can't remember the last time that I talked about it. But I talked about how a couple of days ago that John Fox, maybe not John Fox, but yeah, I think it was John Fox. Uh, he didn't want Mitchell Trubisky. He wanted Deshaun Watson. And also, if he didn't get Deshaun Watson, he wanted Patrick Mahomes, the two guys that were that are significantly better than Trubisky. And you notice that Matt Nagy is now the head coach instead of John Fox. And you notice that, that, uh, that John Fox has taken up an analyst job. And you notice that now the Bears are in for a lot of trouble. Let me try and find it here. Herbert. Two of the flawless against LSU. He's completing 71% of his throws with a conservative defensive-minded head coach type for him. There's no excuse. Like Lamar Jackson, I can get people going, I haven't seen anything like Lamar since Michael Vick, and that was like 15 years ago. You got two guys in the NFL right now flourishing that play like Tua. Russell Wilson on Monday night and Kyler Murray in Arizona, you're not watching their games. He is Tua, but probably not as good. So, you know, again, you deserve in the end side of you know, a very brief run with Mike Ditka. Chicago's been dysfunctional. Tends to be kind of a one side of the field thrower. He has gotten better. And for him to play at 75% two weeks off a surgery table, be that. No, 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 no. This is, this is the best ever. And, and so. Yeah, I can't find it. I apologize for wasting so much time. I'm like, I'm trying to find it. Did it is it seriously? I'm pretty sure it's in this video. Weather and division. One's great, one stinks. Always. There's a reason. The Rooney's are smarter. Yeah, I can't find it. It's it's not. That's not what I was. Uh, that's not what I was looking for. Let me try one more time because this is like, this is gonna bother me for like a really really long time. It's Bisky. B I. Okay, I don't know. I always, I always spell his name wrong. It doesn't matter. but when I do look at, I don't even know what I was talking about. Oh yeah. He was talking about how Dak wasn't a, wasn't a freaking natural throw of the football. I was like, well, really, that doesn't mean anything. A, that doesn't mean anything that Dak isn't a natural thrower of the football. It's like, I, I don't really know what that means exactly. Um, and if it does mean anything, it, it doesn't really matter. I guess it doesn't matter if he's not a natural thrower of the football He's four years in. He's really, really developed. It's kind of like having no natural talent at something that you work really, really hard at. You'll get progress. You'll get gains. You know, like let's say if you're a skinny guy and you just lift heavy weights constantly, guess what? You will start to get swole. You will get bigger, especially if you eat some steak instead of some rice. You know, you eat some steak. You work out hard. You'll get bigger. You'll get swole. But uh, that's that's kind of what Dak has gotten gone and done he has worked out hard he has gotten bigger he has lifted more weights both literally and figuratively and he is a way better quarterback than he was in year one than he is in year four I love how I'm able to just shoehorn in a Dak Prescott conversation any and all times it's it's something to just keep the podcast going I love how I'm how I'm able to do that but when it comes to some of these dudes man 
I, I look at some of the guys within the league, and I talked about this on Monday. I was like, you know what? There are certain players that I think are in the top five at their position, right? And I was going over the quarterback position. It was a long, long, long podcast. I was going after the quarterback position. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, there's certain guys that I would have right now. I think Russell Wilson is probably the apex of the quarterback position. Then it's Mahomes and Watson. Then it's Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. And then if you've done the math, that's five quarterbacks. I think Dak Prescott is definitely in the mix for for being like sixth, maybe fifth, depending on how good or how bad uh, Aaron Rodgers plays. Because I think Lamar, he, he's pretty good. And I also think that for people who have constantly said that Lamar is going to, you know, Lamar is kind of a running quarterback. He is. But at the same token, I think he can, and I think he will develop into a pocket passer. Ask Dak Prescott if that's uh, a reasonable or feasible thing to do. Now, IGN, we're going to actually talk about something that's related to video games. IGN had actually made a... <clears throat> not IGN. Xbox had came out with some some weird thing. I mean... They came out. They came out with all of these like weird videos and stuff like that, and uh, their their new future and blah blah blah. Let me let me look some of this stuff up. By the way, as far as I know for for right now, none of it was stuff that I really care about. I guess. Tell me why. Seems like some announcement trailers. Where is the gameplay? What's Project Resistance? Let me let me check this out. Let me see what this thing is about. We'll get into video games because I've been talking about freaking sports for God knows how long. Jesus Christ, man. Halo Reach. Is Halo Reach the new one? No, it's not. It's an old one. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've heard of Halo Reach. What is this game? What's it called? Project Resistance... Kind of just skipping through it. What what is going on here? Maybe some. Hold on. Let me let me listen to it with audio. I have many fun adventures lined up for you. We have day. Okay, this looks it, pretty much what I'm seeing right now is that it's pretty much you're looking through a security camera, like a yeah, like a camera, and you're looking at certain people in rooms and stuff. It doesn't it doesn't look that interesting to me just by what I've seen, but I haven't I haven't really done that deep of a dive on it. Microsoft, they always bring out Microsoft Simulator. Um okay, all right. <laughs> I'm like like I don't I don't really have that much to say about Microsoft's uh, like a Microsoft Simulator type of game, you know. Microsoft Flight Simulator. I'm not I used to fly planes, so I I can definitely get what's going on, and I think that it's a really, really cool substitute to have something, like, something be really, really inexpensive for, you know, for normal people, because flying is stupidly expensive, but, um, yeah, I think it's also, I, I think it's great that they have this, but it's like, I don't necessarily know if this is, like, for gamers or for people who wanna necessarily, like, use this as a tool to fly. But yeah, it, it looks cool. It's running. 
apparently at 4K 60 frames. It looks like a nice flight simulator. <laughs> I mean, not a flight simulator type of guy. I, I used to fly some flight simulators in high school before I actually flew planes. <clears throat> but for the most part, um, yeah, flight flight simulators, you know, they're they're cool. I guess they're cool. Halo Reach. Fuck, this game looks dated. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Like, I'm watching Halo Reach, man, and it's like, holy shit, this game. God, it looks like it's on the PS freaking 2 or the PS3, man. Oh my god. Obviously, this is gonna be, you know, oh my god. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, Halo is Halo, but... You would think that, like, the new Halos, they haven't been very good. But you would, like, you would think that they would, like, try and do something new with the new Halos. You know, like, try to innovate, try, not maybe not innovate, but try to improve upon, you know, the work that Bungie left off. So that way they can go in and try some other new things. This is kind of like the first time for me seeing Halo. Let me turn up the sound here. Oh, okay, okay. It, it seems fun. You know, it seems fun. I've never played Halo. I know. Um, I've never owned an Xbox. That's that's kind of, like that's kind of why I've never played Halo. I've never never owned an Xbox. So looks interesting. But I don't know. Maybe I'll play it later on. Definitely looks like Halo. I've seen Halo. I haven't played a lot of halo but i mean i've seen a whole lot of halo wasteland 3 i'm watching planet coaster tell me why is xbox's next step in inclusive gaming oh jesus <laughs> i'm like oh god no that's already uh, uh, a lot of backlash i can already see from that here we go uh planet coaster is this like a, a, a roller coaster that's in a planet? That would be cool. So, uh, when I was when I was a kid, there was this game where you actually got to build, and it was I think it was called. Um, off the rails. What was it called? It was this roller coaster game where you could build your own theme park, and it was cool. There was a story behind it, like you were the son or the grandson of a uh, of a of like a of like a crazy ride engineer, and it was cool. Here we go now, off the rails. Here we go now, off the. Dun 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 dun. Here we go now, off the rails. That's kind of what I remember. Like, that's the main song. Roller coaster off the rails game. What was it called? Thrillville! Oh, oh I used to love off the... I had it on the PSP. And oh, now I remember. Oh, I love Thrillville. I gotta play the theme song. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Thrill. Uh, 
Wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me play the trailer. Oh, I used to love this game. I love this game. This game came out like 10 years ago. I love Thrillville. LucasArts made it. It's like made in 2007. In the award-winning first Thrillville game, no! you created a theme park that was built to thrill. I love this place! This fall, the sequel takes the action where it's never gone before. Off the rails. Thrillville off the rails. With thrills so extreme, we had to come up with a new language just to describe it. Thrillosity. The powerful excitement achieved by making roller coasters that make your friends scream for their mamas. Coasters so intense, they defy physics and test the bounds of possibility. Crash Tastic. All right, now it's getting kind of corny, but you get it. It's like, this was, ah, oh, I loved this game as a kid. I, I remember I would spend so much, so many hours, you know, making all these cool and fun rides with my sister. And I remember I played it so often in, in my, uh, like, in my parents' car going to and from, like, school. I loved Thrillville. It looks like this new, what's it called? This new video game, Planet Coaster. And I think Thrillville Off the Rails was made in like 2007, like the E3 uh, trailer. The video that I'm watching right now says like E3 2007. <clears throat> but let me, let me see what Planet Coaster is all about. Because it may be like another Thrillville, like another planet. Not a planet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's literally exactly what you think it is. It's like a roller coaster type of simulator game. Except way better. It's way, it's way better than Thrillville. Because there's way more people. It can render like way more people, way more activity, stuff like that. Looks like Disney World too. They're showing it during the day and at night. It looks really, really cool. Let me turn it up just a little bit. Oh, okay. That's cool. So, Planet Coaster coming to Xbox 2020. Um, the some of the exclusives that I've seen, they're they're cool. They're kind of like they're kind of the the base. They're they're kind of what you need to start off with. Maybe not start, but maybe these are kind of like add-ons. You know what exactly is the meat and potatoes of uh, of this conference? Because I'm not I'm not really seeing a whole lot of meat and potatoes. I'm kind of seeing like a bunch of Oh, that's kind of interesting, but it's not necessarily like a system seller. Like Planet Coaster 
it's interesting, but it's not like it's not like you're gonna buy an Xbox because of Planet Coaster. We'll try and stop you every step of the way. Like you, you may get Death Stranding, for example. But you're not gonna get Planet Coaster. My name is Sam Porter Bridges. It's my job to reconnect us. But even then, Planet, not Planet, uh, Death Stranding, it's coming to what? Like the PC? So, there you go. Like if you're on PC, you get it. Wasteland 3. Hello, everyone out there in the Wasteland. Died when the bombs. Let me see. What exactly is the gameplay about? Patriot. This is a trailer. I'm gonna mute this. What is, where is your gameplay? Show me your gameplay. You have no gameplay, don't you? It looks kind of like XCOM. Yeah, it's XCOM. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's XCOM. There's an everything announced at blah, 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 at the, the thing. There's an interview with Phil Spencer. listen to Phil Spencer here. I was going to save this for last. How, how much good stuff is there? Like, how much content is there? Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. I can milk this. All right. <laughs> I, I can, we, we can be here for a very, very long time. By the way, you're not missing any. If you came here for Cleveland versus the Steelers, you really aren't missing anything. With this football game, um, it's still 7-0. and Trust me when I say this is way more interesting than uh, than than the football game going on. Welcome back to XO19. Now, it wouldn't be an Xbox showcase without a bunch of green lights and Phil Spencer. Uh, and so, welcome to the order? stream. In what order? Green lights first. Well, you walk in and see the green lights and first. And the fans in the community and then... Of course. And then there's Phil. And overhead. <laughs> Xbox overhead. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the stream. Thank, Thank you for joining you. us. IGN's having me on. Yeah. Please... Please, 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 for the love of God, ask an interesting question. Please, please make this an interesting interview. Yeah, absolutely. At your own show. It's, yeah. it's like we've invaded. Um, I'd love to kick off with a sort of big picture question. It feels, yeah. it feels to me like Xbox, this generation, as it's moved through, has moved from hardware first ideas to games first ideas. Like no. Like <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's, that's absolutely incorrect. No, I, I hate to I hate to cut this off, but I love having this reaction content. But no, that's that's not the case at all. They have gone from they have tried to do exactly what he said, but it's supposed the whole point of the Xbox One. The reason why it's why it's so underperforming comparatively to like the PS4 and even the Switch is simply put because they wanted it to be this all-purpose, all-in-one type of console that you watch your cable like your cable box with, not your cable, but like cable TV with, right? They were like, we want this to be your all-in-one media type of gaming console. This isn't necessarily supposed to be, uh, uh, not a gaming console, but just a console in general. We want it to be a DVD player, a Blu-ray player, like literally what the PS3 was, they wanted the entirety, they wanted Xbox One to be it. And um, they failed miserably because there was already a console that did that. It was called the PS3. But Sony literally doubled down on that and and uh, they distanced themselves from Microsoft and bada bing, bada boom. You have one of the highest selling consoles of all time in the PS4. The ultimate expression of that. We've got so many new games being announced today and so many new first party titles yeah. being announced. Would you agree with that? 
philosophy of I'm so just for context sake I'm like halfway through some of these uh like the IGN playlist right now maybe I've missed something but I'm like halfway through it I see like no interesting third party uh first party games right now uh Obsidian's Grounded first impressions we'll look at that Grounded is Rust meets Honey I Shrunk the Kids Xbox Game Studio like Crossfire X brings a beloved worldwide franchise to a new audience. Bleeding Edge is a new character. Cass is a super jumping damage dealer. What is, what's Bleeding Edge? I don't, I don't know. How you're approaching Xbox these days? Yeah, I, I've been in this... I'll, I'll let him continue to speak. I, I, I'll try not to pause too much. Roll a little over five years, and when we started, we had real hardware innovations that we wanted to put into market. We did that with Xbox One X. You see the Elite Series 2 controller. So I feel really good about how we've done on hardware. Mm. And obviously there's future stuff to come. Mm -hmm. We thought about service a lot. We built Game Pass. We've made evolutions to Xbox Live. And I definitely heard the feedback on our first party. You need to build a stronger first party. I want more diversity in the kind of games, new storytellers. So I feel great about getting to come here to XO in London, which is awesome, mm -hmm. uh, and get to show so much work from our studios. And as you said, including three new games. But I really think about all three of those things. It's not moving from one to the other. All three have to be hard at work on all of those and we need to do great work. Are you considering this sort of your games show for now? And then I would be remiss if I didn't ask if there is a Scarlet version of this kind of show coming at some point down the line? Is I think we'll actually talk about a couple more games before the end of this year. Mm -hmm. We have some things that we want to do. But yeah, we go into next year uh, you know, we've said, Scarlet, we'll talk about it next year. We'll have great game things to talk about mm -hmm. there as well. But I think one of the nice things about this shift in terms of going from Xbox One X to Project Scarlet is you can play the games that you're playing today. You'll be able to play those tomorrow and on future hardware. It's one of the commitments we made to our, our customers this generation. As we came out with X, it, it was the same games that you were playing on One, just looking better. We want to do that, but I also know people want to be excited about new stories new characters on the, uh, on the new platform, and that's yeah. something we're focused on as well. Well, I'd love to talk about those new stories and those those new developers as well. You know, we're getting our sort of first, well, maybe our first, first blush of these new Microsoft-owned... Uh, I'm actually going to fast-forward because this is kind of boring. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'm going to kind of just... There we go. Way too fast. There we go. And what's the sort of overall philosophy for those guys? What's the goal right now? You've got this like burgeoning empire of studios that you're building all over the world. I'd love to know, you know what, are you, what are you aiming for? Is it just that you want to be able to provide first-party exclusives on a regular basis? Or is there a wider kind of idea of what you're aiming to create with those partners? I would Pretty much, if you didn't hear what he said, uh, he's asking Phil Spencer if you want to... Like, the issue, for starters, the issue... Let's, let's get into this. The issue with Xbox is that they don't have any good first-party games that are comparable to Sony's. Sony has come out with just box office hit after box office hit. Maybe not box office, but, you know, they broke the bank open, wide open with some of their releases within the past, like, four years since 2015. And they've just simply put stacked the deck on Microsoft with the entirety of the library of the PS4 comparatively to the Xbox One. 
So now you have this console and Sony kind of recognizes that we've kind of screwed ourselves way too many times by not being able to have some type of cross compatibility with older consoles. Like the inability for the PS3 to play PS2 games really shot ourselves in the foot early on. The same thing goes with not being able to play PS3 games into PS4. We're not making that mistake again. Hopefully they don't make that mistake again. And hopefully we can get some of these games from PS4, some of our best games ever made onto the PS5. But the issue is, is that Microsoft, what what's one of their best games ever made? On the Xbox One, of course. Like, that can actually compete. That's not freaking Forza or... I, I mean, put in Halo, man. Put in Halo. What game? A, a good question. Don't even, don't even consider, like, God of War. Don't even consider, like, uh, Persona. Or the, uh, maybe not The Last of Us, depending on who you are. You played it on the PS3, PS4, whatever. <clears throat> but um, Spider-Man Uncharted. Where's my library of games? Horizon Zero Dawn. I literally have, like, my entire roster here. And even, like, Gravity Rush 2, uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, etc., etc. Like, where exactly is that type of game roster? For Microsoft, I think that's been the major issue is that it's like, what's the point of owning an Xbox when A, you don't have any great first party games and then B, your first party games can easily be played on PC. And yes, there are some that can and can't, but the big blockbuster blockbuster games that like everybody uh, that Microsoft, excuse me, is going to advertise to the masses, all of that is going to be on PC. So some of like the, the more obscure like indie games, some of the games that are going to that are going to be targeted specifically for console, they're not necessarily the games that are going to be played, for instance, during these high viewership uh, moments during TV. Like what I mean by that is that like during a football game or during the Super Bowl, are they going to advertise an indie game or are they going to advertise Halo? Because what Sony is doing right now is they're advertising Death Stranding. Before that, they were advertising Spider-Man. Before that, they were advertising God of War, whenever they could. So, Start kind of simply with what you said at the beginning. I want to make sure we have a steady lineup, a great portfolio from great studios, creators telling new stories with new characters and worlds in their own way. And as a flat- We'll kind of get into that in a second, but it's it's kind of interesting to see that that's, that's the approach that they've taken, which is literally the approach that Sony has taken for the past 10 years, but you know, better late than never. Our job is to give those creators the best platform to tell those stories. Mm -hmm. And some of that is hardware capability, but it's also diversity of business models. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wants to do something that's slightly more episodic or more single player or more service based, like whatever our studios want to do. No, 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 Phil Spencer. Sorry. That's, that's not how this works. Um, I like, I've never heard the language that he's using right now. The best platform to tell those stories. Mm -hmm. And some of that is hard. Let me, let me slow it down and let me, put it on like normal capability but it's also diversity of business models mm. so if somebody wants to do something it's not diversity slightly... it's not diversity of business models though it's like li- like listen if one of your developers wants to come up with a game they usually like they usually create something for it right they usually there's like an incubation period there's some thought processes there's pre there's pre-planning then you show off to the to the heads of studio to you know to the big bosses to the executives like hey this is our game console this is some some uh some I forgot what they're called but the the pictures that kind of represent some of the some parts of the game like you show that off 
You don't necessarily just say, well, there's certain business models. It's like, well, well, that's not necessarily why you create a game because of business models. Obviously, you got to break even. You got to pay the bills. But it's like you're not going into creating a game because of business model. You're going in to create a video game. Or episodic or more single player or more service based, like whatever our studios want to go do, focus more on a maybe a PC first title, more on a console first title. That, that, that makes no sense, though. That makes no sense. It's like, well, why would you want to focus? Like, there are some companies like Firaxis that specialize in PC gaming. But for the most part, it's like, if you're, if you're a first party studio, like, let's say you're Santa Monica, you're not necessarily going to be like, well, let's make, let's make this game, let's make God of War for PS4 and not PC. Hold on. Let me try and think about this. Yeah, no, I was right. No, that's that's correct. No, it's like you wouldn't want. No, what I mean by that is that there's a difference in being like triple A's. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit tired right now. Let me try and elaborate here. So if you work for Sony, if you work for Microsoft, if you work for Nintendo, you're not trying. And if you're a first party studio, like let's say you're you're game freak, so you're the people that make Pokemon games, right? You're not trying to make a game. For PC, you're not even trying to think of a way to make a game on PC because you work for Nintendo. You work with the Nintendo Switch, right? There's there's no reason for you to try and do something on the on like PC when you work at Game Freak, right? Like that's that's very very weird to me that that's one of the things that you can do in Microsoft. I get combining it. I get it. Like if this wasn't a first party studio, I get what he's saying, but they're not. They're they're first party. Uh, excuse me. They're first-party studios. They have to. They have to make games for their respective consoles, and I also understand that one of their consoles is obviously the um, the PC. But it's like that's that's kind of the issue with Microsoft is that they don't really know what they want to do. They don't want to really. They don't really want to double down on the Xbox. They don't necessarily want to double down on PC, and it bifurcates them heavily when it comes to uh, to making games and scheming and and planning and just executing it, it, it's hard it's hard to to make games for both pc and xbox exclusively or at least to try and do that we want to enable that creativity across our full slate of uh, first party studios and it's awesome when you can see you know at the show something from going from flight sim to minecraft dungeons to news stories you tell grounded i mean you, yeah. it's i gotta fast forward it again Here we go. Of the fact that we have such a breadth of studios doing such diverse work. I'd love to talk about Grounded a little bit because I think when you guys bought Obsidian, I think yeah. there, was a, there was a certain idea of what Obsidian do. They make single player RPGs, they make big, wide narrative experiences yeah. with a lot of room for player experimentation. And Grounded is not exactly what people would expect. But as we've learned, this is a small team within Obsidian working on this stuff, sort of experimenting with an idea that they had pre the acquisition. So are you guys aiming for this allowance of a bit more, like spreading wings, a bit more security for these studios that you bought who can maybe try new things. What's this game? Grounded? This game kind of looks cool. Kind of, this game Grounded, it looks interesting, but it's, again, it's like, are you going to, are you going to make this your, your triple A first party game? Apparently it's a team, a small team in Obsidian. I, that, that's, this is kind of what I'm talking about. You don't have any big blockbuster hits. You gotta have them. Gotta, where are the hits? I mean, that's, to me, having a diversity of creativity inside 
of a portfolio in a company like Microsoft and Xbox that can provide that stability mm -hmm. while people are going to go take risks is something that one of the values we can bring to studios. Mm -hmm. You know, and on the point, we don't think there's an equation for the right game. We don't think every game has to be multiplayer, every game has to be single player. We don't think it's all about first person or third person or isometric or mouse and keyboard or controller. We think it's just about diversity of creativity and we'll find the fun mm -hmm. uh, with the work that the different teams are doing. So we're not overly prescriptive mm -hmm. on what the studios need to go build. Obviously, in the case of Grounded and the Outer Worlds, which I think we're both playing, yep. uh, we saw both of those games prior to the acquisition. Mm -hmm. So we got really excited about the portfolio to come, a little bit like Leading Edge, obviously, with Ninja yeah. Theory. So we're sitting down with those teams. We see not only the things they've announced, but the roadmap forward. Oh, and we love to foster the creativity. And whether they want to put the whole studio on one game or, the, or a small group of people want to go and try something new, mm -hmm. I just love the opportunity to get to work with so many studios to do that. Nice. And outside of your own Xbox Game Studios, we've also got Tell Me Why from Don't Nod, which yeah. is a really interesting case and like yeah. a really I miss the history of Microsoft published stuff very very boring interview in there until now and I know this fits into your sort of gaming for everyone yeah. initiative which I think a lot of people have seen as a hardware focused thing or an inclusion um, on a social level thing but you've now got software that fits into that side of things I'd love to talk about how you got to bringing tell me why into the fold I, I love the way you told that you know you say we've shown uh, I'm, I'm done I had, I'm not gonna waste any more time with this interview I'm done I'll watch it on my own time I I, I literally Cannot watch this thing anymore. So, uh, tell me why is is why uh, tell me why excuse me is Xbox's next step in inclusive gaming? Uh, and like to dislike on this one. Can you guess? Can you? <laughs> there's more dislikes to likes already. So I, I'm already I'm already stepping into it already. Let's just play back normal. Welcome back. We are here to talk about Tell Me Why, the new game from Don't Nod. I'm joined by Floron. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to have uh, us here. First off, very exciting. New Don't Know Games. I, I love your studio's work, so I'm super happy to see some more. Thank and you. this is a very intriguing prospect. Um, we've seen a little bit of the trailer. We've learned a little bit of the story, pieced some things together. But I'd love you to talk about what's exactly the gameplay. What what's the gameplay? And, and, and what Tell Me Why is going to be about. What's the so gameplay? Tell Me Why tells the story of Tyler and Alison, Ronan two twins uh, joining after 10 years of uh, separation mm -hmm. after an event in the past uh, has separated them and they come back together to learn more about uh, what happened to them uh, 10 years ago okay. so they are joining uh, to make this uh, investigation and our twins are linked by a strong and supernatural bond okay. so that's their twinsy uh, power that mm -hmm. connects them uh, and gives them the ability to feel what the other feels, you know, okay. uh, and share their memories also, mm. uh, that allows them to interact with the memories uh, of the past. Oh, fuck, I gotta fucking, fucking, just already fucking skip through this shit. Holy shit, man. But they're physically interacting with Yeah, they, they can physically rec recall these memories, you know, and, and see them. Uh... I'll try and break it down. It is going too fast. I understand it. It's, it's, listen, I, I know I'm getting bored just listening to this. This, this sounds boring to me. Uh, we'll, we'll continue forward. Again, where's the big hitters, man? Where's the big hitters? You got it. Like this, this is, this is your event. You got to have some type of a big hit. You got to be able to show me as a consumer. It's like, this is why you should freaking buy whatever our next project Scarlet plus thing is. You got to Like you got to show where's the big hits. I'm not finding any right now. Like in the world, okay. we, we see a little bit of that in the trailer, and that allows them to uh, investigate on their past. Uh, and eventually, sometimes they will have diverging memories because that's why we have two different main characters, two lead right. characters, because it's a notion of perspective, yeah. obviously. And they get to choose which of the version they, they decide to believe, okay. uh, and that will have an impact on the on the story. Oh wow! Okay, so 
I know you guys are describing this as a narrative adventure, which is yes. something that is familiar to players of your past games. Can we expect something similar in mechanics to Life is Strange in that way? Yeah, so we, we, we call the Hotel Niwai a narrative adventure game. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a very accessible game, very uh, simple mechanics, so classical adventure mechanics, mm -hmm. uh, like exploring the world, uh, interacting with the world, all the characters, you, you have different characters that you can talk to, uh, and your food. I'm all right. I can't stand this. I'm, I'm out. Uh, where is the future of Everworld? And see if these. So this this has been pretty boring. This has been an absolute snooze. Sorry about that. It's a Red Bull commercial. We are now going to talk about Rare because it is a big day for Rare, Mike, isn't it? It is a very big day for a very exciting show. Yeah, so this is the first new Rare announcement in four years. Is that right, Everworld? Yeah, it's great to be here with uh, with NUIP Everworld, but also um, still talking about CFDs and course. everything we're doing and what we're excited about. I would be remiss if I I know you've you've already told me off air that we're not talking. We can't talk much about Everworld, <laughs> but. Is there anything you can tell us? What's the, what's the broadest possible strokes that you're allowed to say right. whatever Wild is? I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Now, I think, uh, as you know, and I'm sure you can appreciate, Rare has always been a company that wants to push and do interesting things mm -hmm. and innovate. And what I will say is, uh, like us on the CFDs team, we're very excited for what the Everworld team are doing. Mm -hmm. And I like, I like it. I like Everworld. Ever, ever Wild. It looks like an interesting game. Uh, the color palettes, the artistic design. I don't really know what's going on, but I'm interested. Louise and her team on Everworld will be sharing more in the coming months. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. Can you say there are any hints in the trailer as to what people might be able to get up to? I, Should people be studying? I accept no less that, uh, that Rare fans and gaming fans will go through frame by frame and try and deduce what's being, mm -hmm. what's being kind of like said there, but like they absolutely should do that. Okay, excellent. I won't bug you anymore. <laughs> I know you're not going to say anything. I would love to talk about Rare as a two-game studio. Yeah, sure, like, sure. This is really interesting to me. You've, yeah. you've worked on one one major project for such a long time, yeah. and now there are two. I know that you've yeah. got a barn full of people at, at Rare HQ working on, on Everworld and what even more barns working on Sea of Thieves. And what does that mean for the company it must be strange moving from that sort of solid hole to this is a bit more split up and we you know are you meeting over lunch and swapping stories about what you're working oh, on I mean, I mean of course I mean, we're incredibly open company mm. and, and i think the, the best thing to kind of say is like it's just so exciting even though like us on the cfds team knowing that just just kind of across the pond in the next barn you've got this team kind of innovating and doing interesting things and like to be at a company where can you ask an interesting question we've got what, we what, what was the question that you just asked i i can't ah Ah, uh, about what you're working oh, yeah, on. I mean, I mean, of course. I mean, we're incredibly open. And what does that mean for the company? It must be strange moving from that sort of solid hole to this is a bit more split up. And we, you know, are you meeting over lunch and swapping stories about what you're working oh, yeah. on? Where's Where's the gameplay? Where's the gameplay? Ask a question about the gameplay. Oh, I mean, of course. I mean, we're incredibly open got another new IP with Everwild. It's like just uh, time to be um, a developer working at Rare and mm. being interested in all these kind of crazy... It's, it's a great thing for developers, for the developer. It's awesome. I get it. Where's the fucking gameplay? Holy shit. Tunes we have. Is this what it's going to be like for the foreseeable future? Is this is this Rare as a company now? Because, you know, we've seen it in different iterations over the years. Does this feel like Rare is is this company now we're making new ip we're making interesting like your games of service and all that stuff yep. like you're working in a kind of in a new way it feels like i think i think mm. rare rare as a company the bit that's most inspiring about working there is that we've always got our eye on the future and mm -hmm. i think i think that that's what you need to do in the games industry is always kind of have your eye on those creative ideas that are coming next and bubbling up in the kind of the background and like even if you are just working on one game it's the best on answer i've ever heard i'm like he asked. He asked the question of, "Well, is this is this the new direction that Rare is going to go into?" And the and the developer is like, "You know what, Rare, we have our eyes set on the future all the time." 
Yeah, that's the best not. That's a like that's the best not answer I've heard this year. Um, tell us about Seabound Sold. Like, what's what what do you see as like the linchpin pieces of this this update? Yeah, so the Seabound Soul includes uh, our first new tall tale since anniversary. Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously, anniversary time we released nine tall tales mm-hmm. as part of that Shores of Gold narrative, and this is the first new tall tale that uses those platform of tools to tell stories in the shared world. Mm-hmm. And if you saw, all right, I'm out. Cool. That's that's great. Great stuff uh, by Rare. Uh, returning back to form once again for Xbox. By the way, like, Sea of Thieves is like the only great thing that uh, that Xbox has put out in the last couple of years, and it was kind of broken on release, so. Microsoft acquired. Fuck's sake, sorry about that. Obsidian Entertainment, which just came off of the very critically and commercially successful The Outer Worlds. That's probably going to be in the mix for some Game of the Year conversations, I would imagine. So, everybody's eager to see, well, Microsoft owns Obsidian now. What's going to be their first Microsoft project? Yep. And we got that answer earlier than we expected at XO19. Yeah, I was very surprised to see that they announced Grounded when they did. Um, If you missed the announcement, uh, check out the trailer. Uh, It's called Grounded. It is... Uh, a survive a first person co-op survival RPG. Okay, so up to four, four players. Up to four players. Four yep. Players. Uh, it's essentially, you know, not to make too loose a gag, but it's basically Honey I Shrunk the Kids meets like Rust, but also not really. <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, you got to actually, you went to Obsidian to see yeah. this thing in action. So you've seen it running. Tell, tell yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, it. it's cool. We saw about a twenty-five half hour, uh, twenty-five minute half hour gameplay demo. And uh, it was it was sort of very traditional survival gameplay mechanics that we saw a lot of. Um, you know, you have to survive. Basically, you start as a kid uh, in like the I think it was the '90s, like this nice. like cool okay. teen. That's, that's um, right up my alley. Yeah. '90s kid. All right. <laughs> um, playing, uh, taking part in this kind of science experiment that shrinks people down to very very small sizes. Yeah. Um, and of course, something goes horribly wrong, and so now you are stuck in this kind of gigantified version of somebody's backyard. Okay. Um, and so you have to survive to not get eaten by bugs, and they sort of built this whole ecosystem where it's like you'll harvest mites to, um, you know, kind of lead you to water or, uh, you know, find uh, and cut down blades of grass to, like, build walls of structures or scoop out acorns to make armor and, like, sharpen twigs for spears while you have to, like, you know, fight ants or spiders, like, kind of hitting all of those. That's kind of cool, I guess. There's, like, something. I don't know what it is. Uh, IGN Live. I actually want to just see the trailer myself. God. Holy socks, man, this thing is... This is, uh... Not very interesting, if I'm honest with you. At XO19 here in London. I joined... Just been flexing our creative muscles, and we've just ran away with it. Awesome. So... I mean, when I look at it, the immediate what I assume was your inspiration was kind of like a little bit of honey. I shrunk the kids in there, but presumably there's a lot more to yeah. it. Does, does every like? I'm not gonna lie to you. All right. I have. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. I have never heard so many people just. It's. It feels like somebody gave them like a talking point. Say, you know, just compare it to Honey I Shrunk the Kids like eight different, eight eight different times. Like. I've heard that analogy constantly, or that comparison constantly when describing this game. I've never seen the fucking movie. What a, like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what happens. Team has taken inspiration from, and um, we're just hoping we can create our, our own little unique twist on this, uh, this setting. Mm-hmm. By the way, the, uh, the concept of Rust, if you don't know what Rust is, it's pretty much a survival 
a survival video game where you're pretty much left out in the wilderness or a desert or a, a, a deserted island or a deserted I, not a deserted island or a deserted country but it's like you're in a you're in an area where there's nobody around you except other players and you have you have ba- you can build bases you can do all this incredible stuff it's kind of like the dream post apocalyptic game for certain people because you get to have a lot more freedom with a lot of the concepts that you would think are in uh, are in the most popular like post apocalyptic games and I, I I like Rust and hopefully and I see some of Rust in this game I see some of those aspects where you do construct mass uh, massive structures bases of operations uh, your gear weapons out of the landscape out of the environment I really really like that when is the game coming out interesting perspective finding putting that into a survival game that typically they don't normally go that way yeah so since this game is so unique we we still want a story aspect because we think that'll help guide players and and find something interesting to always kind of explore um so we're trying a little a few different elements the way we tell the story we want there to be a lot more environmental storytelling we want the the players to kind of explore in their own unique ways to to start piecing together how this world has come and how all these corporations and places kind of just mix into the story of how these characters came to be. Okay, there's plenty of fascinating stuff. I'm sure we'll see more Definitely. in the future. Yes. That's it for Obsidian. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Either way... Uh-oh. I forgot to mute my, uh, my freaking audio. I was very, very surprised when Microsoft did acquire Obsidian. I was like, wow, they, they actually got a really, really nice developer here in Obsidian. Uh, and I was like, well, there you go. There you go, Microsoft. Now you got somebody to do battle with to help you guys out. So it's coming out next year, spring 2020. So that's interesting. Should be. Oh my god, I was popping my knee. That should be a very, very interesting piece of gameplay. Alright, so here we go. So Xbox Game Studios head Matt Booty on future strategy. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Welcome back to XO19. We are here in London, and I am now joined by Matt Booty. Matt, thank you so much for <laughs> Matt Booty. <laughs> I'm five years old. Taking some time to say hey. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So let's just jump straight into it. Uh, earlier this year, I was going to say earlier this month, um, that would have been incorrect. Earlier this year, Microsoft Studios rebranded to Xbox Game Studios. How has that kind of changed what you and your team do? Or has it changed what you and your team do? Well, it's interesting you bring that up. We very we spent some time thinking about it mm-hmm. and we really deliberately put the word game back in the name because we wanted to make sure that that was our focus. So really it is our number one mission, which is to bring great games to our fans. So we wanted to make sure that that word was front and center. Mm-hmm. And games is right because you guys have a ton of studios under you know that umbrella now. What exactly have you been looking for in a studio that you guys decide to acquire and kind of bring into the family? I think it's- that's actually a pretty good question. I was about to say, I was like, if you have to ask why you put game back into your studio, you're kind of already lost. But all right. Good first question. We got our, by the way, some of the questions that the interviewers asked, some of them were good. I just didn't comment on the good ones that much. That was actually a pretty good question. 
If you look across all of our 15 studios, the thing that you'll see is that they're all creator-led. You know, many of the studios that we've had for quite a while, plus the new ones that we've added, they all have in their leadership people that come from a creative background. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's really important to us and something that we want to build on going forward. You know, we recently got all 15 of our studio heads together in New York City for a meeting. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty amazing being there with these leaders that represent like over, you know, hundreds of years of collective experience. And all of them really come from that sort of development, creative standpoint. It was uh, really inspiring. It gives me a lot of confidence about what we're doing going forward. Well, let me just say, I'm very excited um, about what you guys are doing. Now, so you guys had all the leaders from studios together. What does collaboration look like between the studios? Is there a lot of it? Like, how does that work? You know, we have so Games, 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 games. I'm a gamer. I pay attention to the games. I'm sorry, I got to cut this interview short. It's like six minutes. We're already almost two minutes in. I, I'm fast forwarding it. I'm, I'm going through it. I'm, I can't listen. There are kinds of studios. When you Here think we about go. It, we have uh, small studios like NXile uh, that makes Wasteland 3 all the way up to the team working on Halo, which of course is a really large team. So they all have different cultures and different technology and different ways of going about things. But what we try to do is work within the disciplines in the studios. Okay. For example, the artists, the animators, the programmers, and bring them together organically. So we call them summits. So we'll get together with an animation summit or maybe a business intelligence summit, uh, concept art summit. And that's been pretty successful. Uh, in the last year alone, we've had 20 of those, oh, wow. and it's really fostered a lot of uh, connection and creativity and sharing between the studios. Mm -hmm. So would you say that it's common, let's say if I'm an animator at in Exile and I call up Obsidian about a question of, I don't know very much about what animators do outside of, in a technical way, but would it be common for me to call them up and be like, hey, like, can we brainstorm or can you help me out on this? Well, that's what we try to do in these mm -hmm. summits is make sure those connections exist there. so they know. That's kind of an interesting little point, you know, to make sure that everybody within the company has, you know, has, has resources, not just obviously the physical and, you know, the, not, not just like software and hardware and stuff like that, but actual like experience people who know, like what he was talking about earlier on where, you know, there's hundreds of hours or not hundreds of hours, but uh, hundreds of years worth of gaming experience wrapped into like 15 studio heads. Like that's a very, very interesting point that he brought up. But where the frick is the frickin' gameplay? One track mine. I want to see gameplay. And I want I want actual questions on some of the actual games that are coming out. And they're just aware. I think so much of it is just being aware of what goes on in a studio. You know, producing games has become so complicated. There's so much technology and so much software used that I think just half of the battle is just making sure that they know what each other are doing. And we're really trying to build those connections um, at that discipline level uh, within the studios. So um, in some E3 interviews I was watching, you talked a lot about, you know, technology and creativity coming together. And that really is what games is. is what comes first? Like, is it an idea and then technology, you kind of wait on technology to catch up to materialize that idea? Or are these ideas coming as a result of let's utilize this technology? Yeah, it's a great question. One of the things that I love the most about being in games is that it is always at that intersection of cutting edge technology, but it's also games are different than things like movies and books and music. We have a unique ability to tell stories in a way that engages the player yes. and brings you into a deeper level of emotion. And I feel that we're both at the cutting edge of storytelling and this cutting edge of technology, and they sort of bounce back and forth off each other. So I think we really are at the front of those all the time, and it's more of a back and forth and a mixture as opposed to one leading one the other. Leading the other. Interesting. That's like so beautiful. I love that. <laughs> um, so speaking of technology, Project xCloud is like, it's a common. Yeah. Cloud games is like right there as being a very normal thing as a player. Now, how has that changed the development approach towards games? Has it changed at all? Well, the interesting thing for us is that the way Project xCloud works is that pretty much any game that runs on an Xbox will run on Project xCloud. And that's really what we think is a big advantage of our uh, Project xCloud is that it will launch with this incredible uh, library of content. Uh, here today at XO, I think we're announcing uh, close to 50 new games yeah. becoming available as the preview rolls out more broadly. So 
for us, it really becomes more about trying to reach a broader audience, mm -hmm. right? Are there people who may not have encountered Halo yet because they don't have a console and they play often more on PC or on mobile? Yeah. And how does Project X Cloud take our AAA console content and make that available on a broader yeah. range of devices? I love that. So final question, I, just, I have to ask, you know, I think everyone was so excited by the announcement of the initiative. It's like this quadruple A studio and now we haven't heard anything about it. Can you give us like any updates, any like morsels just to hold us over for a well, little bit? Well, earlier this week I was reviewing some materials from the team and they are busy at work and I can okay. just say two things, that they have hired some tremendous talent there. So I feel really good about the team that we put together and the thing, what they're working on is coming together really well. It looks exciting. Okay. You know, we, uh, as I said a little bit earlier, we're going to be showing uh, more games toward the end of the year and then we've got a whole bunch of games that we're going to be announcing as we get into 2020. So there's more beats coming up for us to talk about that. So stay tuned. That was a whole lot of nothing. Uh, it, it's interesting to learn and to understand about... Oh, my God. Inter... What's it called? Like, interdevelopment? What is it? Like, develop developer teams and... Like, what what's going on behind the scenes? It's, it's interesting to learn that type of stuff. But... I thought this was supposed to be about the games. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe something will pop up soon. It's another Red Bull advertisement. Literally every single video that I'm pressing on, like no matter how how long or short they are, I'm getting an advertisement. Like every single one. Age of Empire. Let me see it. Is Age of Empire a mobile game or is it a con or is it a PC game? I don't know. I feel like I've like you. You. I'm not the only one that's seen the Kate Upton. You know where she's like walking in a field and everything is exploding around her and she has her tits out. I'm not, like I'm not tripping on that one, right? Like everybody's seen that ad. Like that's what this. That's what this is. Like Age of Empire. It's a mobile game, right? That's what it is. Kate Upton. Game of War. Oh, what what's this? Oh, it's Age of Empire. It's like it's it's pretty much the exact same thing. You know, she's a supermodel. She she's in great she's in great shape. She looks great, right? The issue is is that I I remember her and not the actual advertisement that much. Not the actual game itself. Remember the advertisement. Don't really remember the actual game. But yeah, this this looks like um Literally the game that she was trying to market for like four years, except a lot better. Xbox Game Studios. I don't know. Uh. Jesus Christ. I don't know. I don't know if it's coming out on PC or mobile. I don't know. <sighs> Going on to Crossfire X brings a beloved worldwide franchise to a new audience. Got to watch yet again another advertisement. That's why I'm not talking about it. Let me hold on. Here we go. Let me listen. Welcome back to XO19. We are still live here in London. And today, now, I am joined by Jin Woo Jung. Now, you are the technical art director over at Smilegate. And we are talking about your new game, Crossfire X. For people who don't know, can you describe for us Crossfire X? Okay, uh, Crossfire X is Smilegate Entertainment's first Crossfire experience. Fucking hell. Hold on. I can't hear him because of how fast how fast it's going. Here we go. Uh, being developed exclusively for console, mm -hmm. and with uh, all new images for uh, for for the Xbox players, and it's it's very fast paced and uh, and the intensive gameplay experience. Mm -hmm. It's free to play uh, first person shooter experience with a variety of multiplayer modes and the single player campaign that are developed oh, okay. by Remedy Entertainment. 
and also we have a battle royal mode, which is very unique, unique to uh, Crossfire X. So there will be something for everyone, hmm. uh, every kind of FPS players. So this looks kind of interesting. A, he just said that they, if you, it, it's a little bit hard to understand him, but what he just said was, is that there's this new, it, it looks like kind of like, it kind of looks like a little bit more of a polished CSGO. It kind of has some of that same, some of that same movement, some of those same, some of the same mechanics, I would say from CSGO. It looks, it looks like a better, it graphically, it looks better than, than CSGO, but you know, that's, that's not saying something, but it just looks like a more advanced version of that game. And apparently it also has a battle royale. So that's, that's kind of interesting. And some people, they roll their eyes whenever you say Battle Royale, but it's like, eh, Battle Royales, they're, they're pretty popular, you know, genre of games. And, you know, I I personally like them as a multiplayer yep. genre. I think they're a lot better than the Team Deathmatch type of thing, even though, like, you can play Battle Royales a lot more different than Team Deathmatch and, you know, control points and stuff like that. But I don't know, that's just my opinion. Crossfire on PC is a beloved PC game. What similarities does Crossfire X share with that? Uh, while Crossfire X is maintained uh, pretty much this, uh, many of the same core elements that uh, made cr original Crossfire success on PC, and uh, we are improving. Pause. Uh, I'm n I know nothing about this game, know nothing about this franchise, know nothing about this developer. Uh, it seems like a lot of people like this game. Apparently, just <laughs> according to what I heard over the past couple of minutes. But, you know, that's that's definitely interesting to bring something. It's kind of like when uh when PUBG was brought over to consoles. I think it's going to I think it's going to be interesting to see what exactly happens when it comes to bringing this game over to console as well. Does it necessarily hit its stride? I think it can, but um especially because of the battle royale aspect of it as well. I think it can, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, some of the elements uh, the t the team has undertaken to make a, a brand new experience as well. Yeah, it looks like CSGO. Uh, the Crossfire X will uh, feature the high quality visuals uh, as we are making the entire games from ground up using uh, Unreal Engine 4. And the, we're also taking the all the good elements from the original Crossfire, like uh, the original maps and the modes, and not just using it, and we, we refine it and make it, uh, make it better to to the presenting to to the to the players to the better experience as well. Awesome. Well, so what would you say fans of shooters will be most excited about in Crossfire X? I think fans of shooters will be excited because we have so many variety of maps and modes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for example, we have like single player campaign mode. Mm -hmm. We have so many different mm. type of multiplayer mode, and we have. Let me pause here. I've been watching this for like two minutes. You know, we're two minutes into this video. I like what I see. Good job, Microsoft. I like I like this. I'm not very good at first person shooters, but I I like what I've seen so far Classic from this DVD, game, which is uh, we taking good essence from from original Crossfire, and uh, we have uh, very unique uh, its own PvP mode uh, just for the Xbox One players as well. And as well as we have a single player campaign mode that uh, Remedy Entertainment is de uh, developing. Mm -hmm. So people will get to know what the Crossfire world is offering and they will find out the, the backstories about 
you know, global conflict and, and, and the blacklist while they are fighting each other. Mm -hmm. it, do, it really sounds like there's yeah. something for every type of um, like first-person shooter fan out there. Well, Jin, thank you so much for coming by. We have more XO19 coming at you right after this. Makes me want to bang my skull on my desk. Jesus Christ, man. Ugh. This is a kind of a snooze fest, in all honesty. A lot of money was sunk into this. Like you, you hear that people are backing out of E3 and stuff like that, and it's like. Give credit to E3, man. They they put on a show and they put on a, a spectacle. And what was the what, what's the thing called? XO19. Oh my god. XO19. Ah, Jesus Christ. I. Uh. Welcome back to XO19. I'm Ugh. here with Ronnie Tucker from Ninja Theory. We're talking Bleeding Edge, and you guys announced a new character today. We did. Yes, we revealed Cass, mm -hmm. um, new damage class character. Uh, the first hybrid damage. I like DPS. So can do both ranged attacks and melee combos. So yeah, how does she fit into kind of the greater meta of all of the characters? I mean, Cass is kind of special because instead of using a hoverboard, mm -hmm. um, she's got these awesome mechanical legs. No idea what Bleeding Edge is, by the way. I, again, don't play a lot of Xbox games. Don't play any. So she can accelerate really fast, and she can perform super jumps. So she can get up on higher levels. That makes it easy for her to chase down final kills. And she can get around the back and really harass. What am I watching here? What are they talking about? I wish they actually showed fucking gameplay. Fucking hell, man. Let me look up Bleeding Edge. Fucking hell. What, what am I... I'm like, what am I looking at right now? There we go. Let me check this out. This is at this is like a month ago. This is Rx Gaming. I don't know. I I, I can't say his name. Guys, Rx here. Welcome back to another video for Bleeding. Sorry about that. Fucking hell, that's loud. Edge, and finally today, I get to bring you guys some gameplay. Now, admittedly, yes, if you're looking at this, it is obviously not direct feed gameplay. This is over the shoulder footage recording i had a chance to record this at gamescom because up until this point there hasn't really been any proper cohesive gameplay shown because there's currently a technical alpha running it, and that is at the moment behind an nda so it's a it looks like borderlands meets like some type of it, it looks like borderlands if, unless if borderlands was like an actual third person game you know for testing purposes and whatnot but people aren't able to stream it record it and stuff like that but honestly if you guys caught the video that i did back at e3 then you'll know that i'm super excited about this game it is so much fun to play and i really just want to sort of show more people what it actually plays like because if you don't really know and the only thing you've seen is the trailer and the short snippets of b-roll footage that i used in my last video then understandably you might be like it looks like sunset overdrive meets borderlands when it comes to some of the movement and uh it looks really, really good. The art style is cool, but I still don't really know what I'm doing. So this is going to be an entire match back to back. Now, there is obviously no sound because all you're going to hear otherwise is just the noisy background of a Gamescom show hall. So 
I want to try and commentate over this and try and sort of talk to you about what's going on. And also a massive shout out to my friend Bao. He is a character artist and Ninja Theory. He's the one playing. He's a really good player. We played together back at E3 and uh, he actually managed to kind of get a pretty sick clutch towards the end of this. I'm not going to kind of spoil it, but uh, yeah, it's one of those things, whenever you sort of see these matches recorded at shows, it's often hard to try and get a really, really good understanding for like how it all plays out because they will always have like one team member playing through it to sort of guide people along and then everyone else is for all intents and purposes brand new to the game so this might not necessarily be the best showcase of teamwork you know ideally i want to sort of sit down with like our squad together and try and get some good communication going but still you get to see like you know how combat plays out so for those of you that maybe missed some of the previous videos or if you kind of just like go into this completely blind then as a reminder bleedy edge is a 4v4 team fighter so it's got that kind of arena nature to it it's a sort of hero based game so you kind of select a different character you don't you know go into the same characters so there are different types of characters to choose from they fall within three core categories you have heavies you have assassins and you have supports so in this situation the first character we're looking at right now is an assassin character actually one of the ranged ones which is uh <laughs> kind of sort of funny to talk about because a lot of things or a lot of the time whenever i'm talking about bleeding edge i always talk about how it is a lot more melee focused but in this situation gizmo is a ranged assassin it's it's one of those games that you know it does give you plenty of opportunities to kind of choose your play styles you know what all right it looks nice it looks nice i don't know when it's coming out i don't know a lot about it it looks nice the back line the healers and stuff like that so really good finisher good at harassing but really low health pool so she's very squishy you got to be careful with her i personally I like the dev too a lot and that's very rude of you to say that because <laughs> I hate it when you're playing as a healer and all of a sudden you're like, no, you're not supposed to be here. Yep. Uh, so I will definitely be avoiding cast. <laughs> um, so how does that work, though, when you're looking at all of your characters and kind of making sure everything's balanced? Yeah, I mean, it's tricky, but we just test it a lot. We've, a lot of the guys in the team play the game regularly, obviously. Mm -hmm. We play yeah. it every day. Some of the guys are really good at the game. And we're running the tech alpha at the moment, so... Uh, everything that we put in, we test, we test, we test, and we see what's fun, we fix what's broken, and we just iterate on it. So I'm so glad you brought up the technical alpha. That has been going for quite some time, right? It opened around E3, correct? Yes, yeah, right after that. What has been like the biggest learning from the technical alpha? <sighs> I think one of the trickiest things with Bleeding Edge is um, getting people to understand that it's a team game. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> when normal... <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> oh my God! That's uh, that is that is absolutely hilarious. I love that. She's like, you know what? You know what the most difficult thing? It's not shooting. It's not aiming. It's not champions. It's not. It's not the meta, which there is no meta. There's no There's there's no meta. There's it's in alpha. There's probably not that big of a player base as far as I I just heard about this game. It's probably not a meta. She's like, you know what? Hardest thing to get people to understand. Hey, it's a fucking team game. What are you guys doing? Stop running off on your own getting third party. Not third party. I, th I feel like I'm in freaking Apex Legends right now. Don't run off on your own and freaking get absolutely just ganked up on. Ganged up on by three people and you're taking a 1v3. And obviously you're about to get smashed and your team is playing the objective. And you're trying to get kills. And you're not good enough to get kills. But you, you're like, I want to be Shroud. I want to have 360 no scopes. I want to be able to go off on my own. And you freaking die immediately. I... I I love this developer. Great job. When we talk third-person action games, people go, cool, I'm going to run in and kill everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that just doesn't work in Bleeding Edge because there is a team focus. So you need to be working together, strategizing with your teams, capture objectives, 
supporting your supports, so making sure your supports aren't getting killed, peeling with your tanks. Um, and when you're not doing that, it's, it's very hard to win and you kind of get annihilated if you get caught out on your own. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the focus for us has been on that sort of upfront ramping into the game, helping players to understand the game a little bit better before we just throw them in the deep end. Mm -hmm. When we launched the Technical Alpha, we didn't have a lot of kind of content at the start of the game to teach you how to play, and we've been working on adding more of that, sort of bringing players into the game more gently, giving them more information so they know how to play when they get to that first game. Mm -hmm. Now, what is that like? I mean, because you guys have been working, we were talking about how it's a small team of 15 people. Jesus right? Average Christ. 15. We started with about six, and we've got about 25 now. Yeah. So it's kind of grown over the years. Yeah, but yeah. still, there's a relatively small team to be collaborating with, and now, in a way, you're collaborating with your fans because you're getting that direct feedback. Yeah. What's it like back? That is a fucking small-ass dev team, man. For context, it's like it took obviously the bigger the game, you know, the bigger the game, the more de like the more people you're going to have on. But like six, then you go to 20 like that, that leap in people who are in the game, like people who are developing the game. Oh, my God, that's incredible. I know it's not like in hindsight, maybe not in hindsight, but to like the average person going from like six to 20 or 25. I forgot what the number is like in the 20s. But to go from like six to twenty, that's a lot more fucking people that you have to manage. But oh my gosh, I'm watching this football game. It's fourteen to zero. It's been uh since like the first couple of uh, drives. It's been definitely a snooze fest. Definitely not as much of a worse than worse than this one. But you know, I, I would rather watch this than watch football, which is. Kind of, I'm I, I'm actually fast forwarding through the game right now because I'm like I just I, I got to get something going on. They just punted again. It's like three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Punt, 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 punt. Sack, get a sack, get an interception. Cleveland can't freaking score. I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus then, Christ. You know what you and your team's vision is for the game versus maybe what players want. And by the way, uh, th this is as good as I can get it. There's nothing I can do. I have like everything maxed out right now. This it's as good. It's it's not getting any better. Um, it's actually been not very hard at all so oh, far because the type yeah. of things that the players are saying are things that we sort of know that we need to do already, or that maybe we already have plans to do, or when they bring it up, we actually agree. Yeah. Um, so there hasn't been sort of anything controversial yet where um, the players have said this is totally broken or we don't want this, and we've thought, oh, that doesn't go with our vision at all. Sort of, I think the guys that are playing the game understand what we're trying to do and we understand sort of what they want and it, it seems to be working well so far. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. some nice synergy. <laughs> yeah. And then today you also announced not only release date, March yep. 24th, 2020. That's it. That's so crazy, 2020. <laughs> um, but also that you're going to be available on Steam. Yeah, that's right. Super happy to be adding Steam to the mix and it's going to be on, it's going to be cross-play as well across all platforms. So doesn't matter where you buy it or where you play it. If you're a Game Pass subscriber or you buy it on Steam, you can all play against each other, with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who play on different platforms. Yeah. Sorry about that. I was just, I was about to pause to say something, but uh, I'll, I'll let this play off. There's only like 29 seconds left. This question's only for me. Okay. But will we see a Kung Fu Chaos 2 in the future? <laughs> no. <laughs> so the, I, I'm looking at the comments here. There's this guy who freaking wrote an article. These characters are too detailed and too interesting to let the game fail. They need to scrap hoverboards and make their own animations. What? 
So I, as I was watching the um, the er- Eric's, I, I can't say his name, Eric's gameplay, pretty much hoverboards, they're just a way to get around the map. Uh, instead of kind of like sprinting, you now hover, like hoverboard thing. I think it's pretty cool. I don't think hoverboards are that big of a deal in this game. I thought it was pretty cool. I just don't know how aiming works. I don't know if it's point and click. I don't know. I like. I don't know anything about the game. Um, it seems kind of like you just lock onto a person, and they can break. And if they break vision, if they break like your your vision of them, you stop hitting them. I guess as a ranged person, as melee, it's a little bit different. It kind of seems like that. Uh, that MOBA game that was on console that Epic was working on before Fortnite. So what else was this guy's talking? He said, scrap hoverboards and make their own animations. They need to make the gameplay more structured than just hitting and spewing out abilities. I think it is. It 100% is. <laughs> I'm like, I think it is. And it 100% is. And why shouldn't it be just hitting abilities? What, what did he say? More structured than just hitting and spewing abilities? What's wrong with hitting and spewing abilities? That is structure. If you hit your abilities, you're doing your job. If you're not hitting your abilities, that, that's literally the premise of Overwatch. If you hit your abilities, if you play like a team, then guess what? You win games. If you don't hit your abilities, if you're not playing like a team, then that's that's not how this game works. I don't know. See, whenever people say, like, like when I was reading this during the actual, like, playing of this video, I was like, this guy is probably fucking bronze. <clears throat> just by I'm like just by reading this they need to adjust camera so we can see the detail of the characters more literally makes no sense the camera's fine I don't understand why this guy is so focused on the detail of the characters I can I can see everything fine again I don't think the details of the characters work and and, I, and the reason why I'm quoting this this comment it's the it's the top rated comment on this video uh I'll, I'll watch I'm reading his comments now. Okay. Okay. A lot of people are complaining about a different uh, about different stuff. I think they're complaining about it being more MOBA-centric with some of the abilities, and it does seem way more MOBA-esque with some of the abilities and things of that nature, where it is a lot more lock-on than anything else, uh, instead of it just being like, uh, instead of it being, what's it called, skill-based skill abilities? What are they called? Skill ability, the the abilities that you can aim (coughs) freehand, not freehand, um, skill-based abilities. What is it? What's it called? When an ability that you can aim and it's not an auto lock. What's it called? What's it called? MOBA. <laughs> Excuse me. Last hitting, synergy, basic. I'm wasting a lot of time trying to figure out what this is. 
yeah, I don't know. It's where it's where you like freehanded, it, not freehanded, but it's where you like aim the ability yourself. You don't have something to lock on. I don't know. Uh, moves. To Fuck. Sorry, didn't mean to play that. That's fucking loud too. Sorry about that. That just freaking blasted you. Let me go back to reading some of the comments. I'm pretty much only reading the uh, the top rated ones. Spewing out abilities. They need to adjust camera so we can see the detail of the characters more. Literally makes no sense. They also need to make maps more interesting and more interactive. Um, I don't know what this guy is watching right now, but I literally just saw this person, uh, Eric's, whatever his name is, literally use a hoverboard to uh, use a launch pad while he's riding on his hoverboard to then jump on a train to then transition to the map. Again, it looks like sunset. I think the game looks fine. I think it looks fine. Let me finish this off. They need to make a core game mode because it seems like just a lot of killing these changes could make this what Battleborn should have been. Again, there's like no articulate. It's bare. It's barely English. They need to make a core game mode because it seems like just a lot of killing these changes could make this what Battleborn should have been and even better. They just need to listen and listen quick. That doesn't. Well, how can they listen when you barely speak English? They need to make a core game mode because it seems like just a lot of killing these changes. Killing, period. These changes could make this what Battleborn should have been and even better. They just need to listen. No, no. They don't need to adjust the camera. They don't need to scrap hoverboards and make their own. That's stupid. No. Absolutely not. And weirdly enough, a lot more people in Eric's comment section, they're pretty much saying the exact same thing. Where they're like, yeah, you know, they, you know, we hate the, uh, they, we hate the, like, the abilities and stuff like that. I'm like, alright, alright. We hate the MOBA aspects, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay. Okay. Is that it? Is that it? <clears> hmm. <throat> I think that's almost it. Let me see it. Let me see what you got here. The XO. Ah, fuck's sake. Oh, yeah. They also had this panel with this girl who was interviewing Phil Spencer. Should we watch? It's it's like an hour long. <laughs> so, obviously, we're not going to watch that. We'll continue watching football. But, Jesus freaking Christ, man, was this event. <sighs> kind of fucking boring, if I'm honest with you. Nothing got me interested or excited about Xbox at all. Sorry about that. Literally an ad to the intro of the game. They just showed off an ad for The Fallen Order, the new game. I'm sorry, but how amazing was that trailer? But hello and welcome. Okay, so literally, I'm like, all right. Uh, literally, not an Xbox exclusive. Great, great start, Microsoft. Showing off a non-Xbox Xbox exclusive uh, as your opener. Great job. Great job. 
presented by Fortnite. <laughs> oh my god, you got freaking... I, I mean, can you guys fucking show me... This is what I mean by, like, can you show me actual gameplay? Like, they're like, you know what? We're gonna have... Um, we're gonna have the Fallen Order be our opener, and then we're gonna have presented by <laughs> by Fortnite as, like, uh, as the first thing that you're gonna see out of the trailer. I love it. totally didn't get paid to do this. Woo! I'm just fucking with you. Hello, Xbox fans from around the world, and welcome to Inside Xbox Live from XO19 in London! Yeah! Uh, so we've got a huge show planned for you today with news and reveals from Xbox Game Studios, Xbox Game Pass, Project X Cloud, yep. Idea Xbox, Matt Booty, Phil Spencer, and so much. I think she was also at E3 and she was uh, moderating the the EA panel, so that's cool. That's right. Who's excited? Yes. Yes, you are. Of course you are. And inside Not the EA panel. The, the EA show. Fox is just the beginning. We are also broadcasting live and diving much deeper over the next two days into some of your favorite games. With two some- days, hey, that's uh... <laughs> two days. What? Two fucking days? You're gonna have this shit going on for two fucking days? You've gotta be shitting me. Legendary game creators in our Xbox. Holy panels. shit, man! Make sure you stay tuned on Mixer over the next two days. Of course right they're stream. Of course, of course they're streaming on Mixer. Doesn't this seem like one big ad? You know, they're like, you know, we got presented by Fortnite. We're going to be streaming on Mixer. We're going to also, you know, we're going to show off a non-first-party exclusive that you can literally pick up on PlayStation. Thanks, Microsoft. Let's get right to the breaking news and send up Mixer over the next two days. But right now, let's get right to the breaking news. Get into it. Get into it. Charlie, who's with a very special guest for you, Charlie. O'Connor, executive producer at Rare, the studio behind Sea of Thieves. But Louise, <laughs> there is right here, by the way. Now, Alright, uh, can we actually learn some and see some fucking gameplay? Awesome. We got what is this? This is ever this is Everwild. Oh, okay. Fucking trailer. Fuck's sake, man. Fucking hell. Let me turn it down. By the way, um, let me fucking... Can, can we actually get a football game? I'm like, yes, Cleveland. They're doing some great stuff. It's like, literally, it's second and goal. Finally, the Steelers, they scored a touchdown. Woo, good, great, great job in like three quarters, seven points. Congratulations. You're supposed to do that already. I, I mean, Cleveland hasn't done a whole lot of... They, they've done a whole lot of nothing since that first drive, man. Oh, Jesus Christ. Someone's bringing the ball out, Cleveland. It, there's five minutes left, and it's 14-7. I was like, man, this isn't going to be a snooze fest at all, and it turned into one. Now, Matt, we just saw that beautiful trailer, which is Rare's next journey. Which be- I hate I hate not having gameplay at an event like this. You gotta, You gotta bring gameplay to these events. You can't just not have gameplay. This isn't how this works. You gotta have fucking gameplay. I get it. You wanna show, you wanna announce things. 
you got to have gameplay. It's it's way better and it's way far reaching and it's way more solid to have gameplay there. You you are able to show people a represent like what your game could look like and not necessarily, you know, in the trailer format, but it's like ah, oh, man, you, like you got to you got to fucking have gameplay. You got to have it. I don't know why they don't have gameplay. They're showing a trailer for Rust. Um, I think it's coming to Xbox. Rust is a pretty cool game, by the way. Uh, that's cool that they have it. It's like Fortnite, except if Fortnite wasn't a battle royale and if it was just a survival game and if it wasn't as cartoonish, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, they, they have Rust coming to uh, to Xbox. Oh, fuck it. What PC Xbox game are they going to have? Cart Rider. It's coming to Xbox. That's cool, I guess. You can never go wrong with a cart riding game. Man, this this is holy fuck. I'm like I'm like, man, this is holy. Oh shit, man. You can never quite Oh, she looks like Doomfist. Oh, she's like she's Doomfist, the uh, the the girl from from the uh, from the game that we were talking about. Uh, what what's it called? Bleeding Edge. She she looks like Doomfist. She plays like Doomfist. March twenty fourth is when Bleeding Edge comes out. Show me the gameplay. I want to get my grubby little hands on gameplay. Awesome at getting into the back line, harassing the healers. She's got these kind of augmented legs that she can use to jump up really hard. <laughs> she has these giant... Her legs are, are bigger than her upper body, so she freaking looks like an ostrich. She looks like an ostrich. Take out people who are trying to run off. Um, so, oh yeah, I'm God. excited to see how the Tech Alpha players are going to deal with her in the next uh, playtest. <laughs> I feel like this is how I want to look after I've been to the gym doing a whole load of squats. Like, that's the kind of gains that I want on my booty that I can never quite get. <laughs> booty. Matt, booty. <laughs> oh, my God. Deal with her in the next uh, playtest. I feel like this is how I want to look after I've been to the gym doing a whole load of squats. By the way, should mention this as they're saying this. Uh, she runs onto the train tracks and she gets ran over by the freaking monorail, the freaking train that's in the game. Great, like, great showcase of your uh, of your champion of your hero. The by kind the way, of gains that I want on my booty that I can never quite get. So I can play as so That's cool. Uh, so some uh, players have obviously been playing the uh, technical alpha. Kind of yep. what's the what's the feedback been like? Oh, it's been amazing. There's such a great group of players, and they're giving us heaps of good feedback. I don't. I I I don't get why people are complaining about this game. This game looks really really solid. At all of our surveys, uh, massive shout out to Magna who's running the unofficial Discord. Yeah. Um, great community of guys. Yeah, it's been really nice working with them. And we've got another test next week where Cass is going to be available. Um, and she's available here on the show floor too, so people can play her today. Nice. I think you need to do a few little question and answers going around, a little, little poll after this. <laughs> Get a beer, it'll be fine. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much, Ronnie. Thank you for joining. Bleeding Edge looks really, really nice. I don't know, I don't know if it's going to translate into anything. Yeah, it looks super solid. Anything that's kind of cool here? Project X Cloud. Okay, so I guess everybody's doing the Google Stadia type of thing where they're like, 
Let's put all of our games onto Xbox. Let's put all of our games onto Xbox Google Stadia, and now let's 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 make a uh, let's it's make so bank. It's so great to be back home here know. in London. That's right, a London local as well. I love it. All right, Kareem, can you tell us a little bit about Project X Cloud and why fans should be so excited about this? Of course, Project X Cloud is our cutting-edge game streaming technology that takes the power of Xbox and everything that comes along with it and puts it in your phone or tablet. That's your friends, your social network. So, per, so pretty much it's like it's your social network. It's pretty much like uh, Google Stadia. Save games, your achievements, your gaming history, <clears throat> all your progression. It all comes with you so you don't have to start over. And Project X Cloud can give you this freedom because we're literally putting an Xbox in the cloud. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> With 2.6 billion gamers in the world, Project X Cloud is our dream of delivering uh, of gaming for everyone. I do think that's something kind of interesting. That gaming is. I, I'm, I'm not a. I I don't like to stream video games. And uh, if you ask me, it's like, would I rather play video games at home or in public? At home, 100%. I would rather play it on a TV or a monitor than on my freaking. How how large is my phone? Maybe like five and five or six inches across. Like it's like then I have this thirty something inch monitor and it just takes up this small little portion. <laughs> oh my god! I I I'd rather play video games on my monitor. In fact, I even have like a twenty something inch monitor and it's like it doesn't compare to my thirty. I'm just bragging about having a thirty two inch monitor. I'm very very excited about it. I don't know if you could tell. Everywhere. That's right. And, and just last month, you started the first phase of the preview in the UK, the US, and Korea. So what happens next? More games. As of right now, yes, more there games. are over... All right. Uh, you're going to talk about having more games. You're going to... Uh, apparently, Yakuza is coming to Xbox. That's cool. Where's, like, the big blockbuster announcement? Apparently, Halo Reach is on Xbox. Also, 10 minutes of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order gameplay. That's going to be kind of interesting to watch. Fuck me, man. There's like nothing. There's like some stuff, but it's not like... It's not like stuff that gets the juice going, you know? It's not like I'm like, oh, okay, that that's pretty dope. This is something that I want to watch going forward. What is this? This Final Fan what Final Fantasy is this? I think this may be a mobile thing. I don't know. Final <laughs> Fantasy titles will be appearing on Xbox Game Pass for console and for PC. What X what Final Fantasy games? Which ones? from Square Enix, along with their interpreter, also from Square Enix, Gavin Poffley. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for coming. Uh, so, uh, Hashimoto-san, there are some stellar titles uh, coming to Xbox Game Pass for PC. Why don't you tell us more about it? Holy fuck, they got a white guy to speak Japanese. Like, <laughs> like he just... That wasn't the fucking interpreter. That There's like two guys... Oh, no, that is the fucking interpreter. I thought that that one guy that uh, there's one guy in like a you know a nice business suit, another guy in like a jacket, and then there's like this tall six foot like white guy, and I'm like, it's the short guy, it's the unprofessional looking guy that's the interpreter, and then it's just like the white guy just starts speaking freaking Japanese. That's him. Final Fantasy series Xbox Game Pass for console and PC. 
Okay, so finally, finally, classic <laughs> Final Fantasy He's fucking British, too. ...on Xbox Game Pass for console and for PC. Oh, yes, yes. let's have a round of applause for that. Holy Probably? Yes, yes. will be appearing on Hold on. Okay, so finally, finally, classic <laughs> Final Fantasy titles will be appearing on Xbox Game Pass for console and for PC. Oh, yes, yes. let's have a round of applause for that. Oh, beautiful. So, big fucking deal this is for Xbox. You have 15, you have a lot of, because Sony used to own, like, they used to... <laughs> They used to run the Monopoly on Final Fantasy games and um, like for a really, really long time. Like I think 6 was on Nintendo. It was on the SNES. But after that, it was like Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, uh, 10, if you if you'd like 10. And then all these other Final Fantasy games, they were only, and except for 14, which was the, the MMORPG. But most of these games were on Sony, were on PlayStation, and they had the Monopoly on them. And now, you know. You're looking around and you're like, Microsoft now has some Xbox, has Final Fantasy on Xbox. That's actually a pretty, pretty good thing. I have all of them. I pretty much have all of them. I have 7, 9, and 15. But um, that's actually kind of interesting. They have, I think they have 12 and 11. They also have Lightning Returns for 13. Nobody plays 13, by the way. But a lot of pretty good Final Fantasy games. I think they're also talking about Kingdom Hearts Kingdom Hearts? Not Kingdom Hearts 3, but just Kingdom Hearts in general. Final Chapter Prologue. Uh, we oh. are very delighted to be able to announce <laughs> from next year we will be bringing Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 plus 2.5 Remix and Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue <laughs> to Xbox platforms. <laughs> so again, another game that Sony used to have that now is on Xbox. Very, very interesting. It's actually, it's actually probably the most interesting announcement of the night, if I'm honest with you. Because actually that shit matters. Do they have anything else? Fucking hell. There's also an interview with Phil Spencer. I'll watch a little bit of this and then we'll kind of click off. Uh, let's see if this freaking Austin Serbert can miss, can hit this 50-yarder. Let's see if he can hit it. Nope. <laughs> I'm like, nope, you can't hit it whatsoever. Absolutely not, Serbert. End of the third quarter. Nope. Uh-uh. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, he's screaming and yelling oh. after shaving half of his beard about off. the fans, and I'm just so happy to be here with everyone in London. Our biggest event ever in London. They threw up the X like they're at an XXX Tentacion RIP concert. Awesome. Oh, We were backstage, we saw the news about Ewok as well, coming to Mixer. Is there anything you want to say about that? Oh, yeah, bringing Ewok to Mixer. People haven't seen that news. Got Fuck! It. I forgot that, that fucking, uh, what's it called? That, um, that Microsoft owns Mixer. I'm like, 
I'm like, why are they streaming on Mixer? Why did they announce? I'm like, because they fucking own it. Of course they do. Phase Ewok. Phase Ewok, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't he like 12 or 13? He's like a kid. Like he's, 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 he's like, he's, he's an actual kid. Like he's, he's like in middle school, maybe high school, but he's like, he's super, super young and he plays Fortnite. That's all. That's about as, that is as much as I know about him. More and more streamers. Ewok's a really special streamer and really happy to have her come into the platform. Uh, it's just continued growth for Mixer. It's a great community of people watching people play video games. Awesome. Completely agree. Now, we gamers want great games. And today, there was a lot to share from Xbox Game Studios. Should fans get used to this from Xbox Game Studios? Is there even still more to come? Please, for the love of God, no. This was... <laughs> this is God-fucking-awful. Holy yeah, shit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> why, why haven't you announced any first party... Like, we know that Halo is in production, right? We know that Halo is in production. We probably know that you have some other big triple a game that's right around the corner that you may want to try and time the release maybe with the new xbox console a couple of months maybe a year after its release so in, in like two years you may want to i don't know maybe you want to get the word out maybe that you're working on something because i saw nothing i saw nothing that's like oh this is a system seller this isn't an indie this isn't just an indie game like didn't see it where's that other Matt Booty and the team have been doing great work. Booty. Uh, it's great to sit here and come and see, you know, three new Xbox Game Studios announced, games announced, seeing just so many, much of our first party work. Frankly, when we look forward and we're looking at the shows to come, I can't see a show where we won't be announcing new first party games. There's just so much in development and there's so few shows that I think this should just be something that we should get used to. Seeing new games from our studios doing amazing that's work. Really exciting. And I hear that's what people want. So yeah, that's absolutely. More games. More games. And talking about games, we also have major third party news on the show today. And it feels like there's a lot of gamers at home and this room have something to be written pretty quite happy about with some major franchises coming to Xbox very soon. But what's the number one thing that you consider when bringing this third-party content to the platform? Well, we know our Xbox fans and customers want great third-party games. You know, getting to open the show today with Star Wars was really mm. special. No, 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 no. Hold on. Fuck. I fuck. 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 No. It's not just third parties. How? Like, for starters, pause. Third-party games, they're fucking a layup. For Microsoft, the reason why they're a layup for Microsoft is because it's like you, your console is up to date. It's not like your Nintendo who has to freak who who can't get you know the third party games on their console, the games that people actually want to fucking play. It's not it at all. You are a first party. You you should have more first party games. I'm like, oh oh cool, you got Star Wars, but it's like that's coming out on console and PC, right? Like, they can buy it on Steam, I think. they can, Right? You can't get it on Steam? I don't know. But you can get it on Steam. You can get it on the PlayStation. You can get it fucking anywhere besides a Nintendo. You're not struggling for third-party... Come on, Phil. You're not struggling for third-party games. You're struggling to get great first-party games on your console. Like, that's in-house developed. Been on the, uh, the plane from Seattle to Tokyo quite often mm -hmm. um, and doing some work. And it's just amazing to be sitting here at the show talking about Yakuza coming to Xbox, talking that's, about... That's a pretty fucking big pickup, by the way. Getting Yakuza. Kingdom Hearts. And Kingdom Hearts, by the way. Coming to Xbox. And Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy games. Yep. 
coming to Xbox, all coming to game. Those are big pickups, but it's like those are games that have, and I said they were big pickups, but I'm like, the reason why the Xbox One hasn't sold as much as the as the PlayStation 4 is because you guys are missing those big first party games. That's the that's that's what you're missing. You got to get those first party games on your console. Not the third party cuz getting third parties are kind of layups. Getting those first party games. Pass. So for people who haven't played those franchises before and want to try them, they'll be in the service you can try them. I know there's more work I have to do there. I hear the feedback from the fans and the customers about new franchises that they want, franchises that maybe aren't on our platform today. Uh, I just want them to know from me that I hear them, uh, we're on it, and we'll continue to do the hard work to bring the games that you want on our platform. All right, I like that. I like that. Good job, good job, Phil Spencer. But again, uh, get more get more first party. You got to get more first party. Can't be just third party. More first party. It's like, why why would I buy your console if there's nothing special about it, because I can get Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts on X on on both Xbox, but mo- Xbox and PC, but more importantly, I can get it on PS4. Just saying, just saying. Okay. I'm gonna let them cheer at that one. <laughs> that was a good one. But talking of hard work, we also heard earlier from Kareem about the expansion of Project X Cloud Preview Program in 2020, with more than 50 games available in preview, new devices support, and new markets in 2020. What else does that mean for gamers? Yeah, for us, Project X Cloud is always about choice. And like many things this generation, we're building this hand in hand with you. The reason we're in preview is because this technology is something that we're working on, and we want to hear feedback from you about how you feel about playing your Xbox games. All right, is there anything else? All right, no, there's not. All right, here we go. Jedi the Fallen Order. I'm not going to watch the first 21 minutes. I'm actually just going to watch 10 minutes Fallen Order gameplay. Uh, first impressions of what just happened after that, uh, that, that whatever that was. What is that? That, that X, XO19? Jesus fucking Christ, snooze fest. Why the fuck would you not show any of your first party AAA developed uh, studio games there? Like to me, as much as it's like you, you get, you're going to get press, you're going to get attention, you're going to get noticed. Why wouldn't you have something, anything, anything? This is your show. This isn't E3. This is your fucking show. If your show goes off without a hitch, if you have something to excite the fans, guess what? You get to go back and you get to do it again next year, and it's literally your own advertising show. It's something that you get. It's it's a big advertisement, but it's an entertaining advertisement. But it's like I'm not gonna fucking watch this this shit if it's just gonna be a fucking Best advertisement. Here and today we'll be showing you ten minutes of I'm gameplay with permission from EA, as long as we added commentary for y'all. Hey, you don't need to call this in. Uh, enemy. By the way, this is a. Uh, We'll, we'll rerun it all the way back. This is, uh, I, I've never seen this before. This is kind of me getting the first reaction for this game. Very, very interested to see this this game. The more, I, I said, I was like, I was kind of questionable about, the, about some parts of the gameplay at first, but the more I watch, the more I'm like, I kind of, you know what? Really, really happy with what I've seen so far. Hi everyone, Destin Legarrett here, and today we'll be showing you 10 minutes of gameplay with permission from EA, as long as we added commentary for y'all. Hey, you don't need to call this in. Uh, enemy! This is on the hardest difficulty, Jedi Grand Master. What? Sens- you just fucking one-shot two stormtroopers. How is that fucking difficult? 
for the spoilers, I recommend you wait and watch this later. In the beginning, we'll look at the tutorial level showing some of the basic abilities and later, we'll get to see how those start combining for some amazing combat moments. Throw it! Throw your damn lightsaber! Throw your damn lightsaber! Oh, they won't let him throw his damn lightsaber. Okay, never mind. This footage is a mix of PC and Xbox, so you can see them side by side. And I'll put up an Xbox logo to differentiate. Now, Mitchell did an excellent job of showing what a few of the core abilities like parry or even force grab and force throw can do when combined. Looks like The Witcher 3 combat, except maybe a little bit better. That's that's hard for me to say because of how you can block and how you can parry some of the attacks. It, you can't really... I never really used the block and the parry in The Witcher 3 because it was kind of useless as an ability because it's like... It's just better and easier to dodge because you can't counter. You know, you can kind of... Parrying isn't countering, you know. And here it's like you can parry and then counter and it just... It looks a little bit better when it comes to that aspect when it comes to some of the um when it comes to some of the continuous fighting by the way i mean it's just been a snooze fest of a thursday night football game holy shit man cleveland is barely barely hanging on by a needle thin thread right now mason woodroff ah uh, 7 to 14 oh my god Force abilities are all very limited, and you'll likely find yourself using them in a sparing manner as you'll need them for harder fights like against an ATST. Doesn't my force meter charge up? I guess not. I mean, this dude is using the parry and the counter, and he hasn't gotten hit yet at all. Like, he's just parrying, and he's just... He's not even dodging. He's just standing in the pocket, taking shots, and he's just blocking. That's what I like to see. Apparently, this is on the hardest of difficulty. Doesn't look that hard to me, then. If that's if this is the hardest difficulty... Did I hear that right? That this is the hardest difficulty you got in the game? Because you, you just one-shot two Stormtroopers. And you made mincemeat out of a boss. Like, you didn't get touched. This is the hardest difficult. Are you sure? This is on the hardest difficulty. Jedi Grandmaster. Jedi Grandmaster. I recommend you wait and wait. Holy shit. I'm telling He doesn't get touched. I mean, 
I, how, how many, how long did it take him to beat an ATST by using the force push? The ATST just, dis, just, just discharged some of its bombs at the dude. And what he just did is he just shoved the bombs right back in the ATST's face again. How many seconds? How many seconds? Like 20 seconds, I think. So 210 all the way to like two. Tw so tw yeah, 20 seconds. 23 seconds, like 210 to 233. He makes mincemeat, and it, there is cuts, so I don't necessarily know if that's added time or I don't, I don't know. But I mean, he just beats the stuffing out of this out of this robot, man. Like it's not even close. I do miss the Force Unleashed, the Force Unleashed, where you did play a Star Killer and you had the lightning and you had all of the Force, the the dark powers and stuff. I love that stuff. Kind of sucks that you don't have that stuff here in this game. Also, I used to love his dual lightsabers that he got in the second game. That was easily one of my favorite parts of that game that they changed up the combat like that. But this is pretty cool. A guy even jumps out of the tank, too. That's hilarious. Leaving here alive. Found you, intruder. Yep. Hit him already. He's running now. He doesn't want to fight. Fight! Much longer. Hit him! Someone Hit him! This is the hardest difficulty in the game. By the way, when he says, I need health, I need health, his drone flicks him a, a, a green piece, which a green crystal, which restores his health. Like, he's two, three shotting some of these dudes, man, on, on the hardest difficulty. Just one shot another dude. I need help. Help. Get him already. Throws another dude. Cut him up. I mean, apparently the uh, apparently stormtrooper parries and blocks. They don't matter when it comes to a lightsaber. What a surprise! Here I'm fighting a temple guardian who's vulnerable to your force abilities during his heavy attacks. We won't show you much of the temple, so you can discover that for yourself. What the fuck? He just fucking just destroyed this thing. Here I'm fighting a temple guardian who's vulnerable to your force abilities during his heavy attacks. We won't show you much of the temple, so you can discover that for yourself. He fucking just jumped on this motherfucker, and he just destroyed him in like three seconds. This is supposed to be like a mini boss. This isn't the hardest difficulty in the game. That's some bull drive. That is, there is no way this is the hardest difficulty in the fucking game. There's no fucking way. Now, let's take a look at a few combat scenarios further along and see how those abilities start working together. All right, let's see. Let's see. Throw your lightsaber. Throw your lightsaber. He just got fucking smashed. Nice dodge. Again, he is shredding this dude. Like, like he's already almost at it. Yeah, he's less than half his health right now. 
just cut off his arm. Just freaking opened up his gut. I, am I watching God of War right now? Jesus Christ. Watching this game and seeing this be the, uh, the uh, you know, the, the, the gameplay, you know what I think whenever I watch this game? I think, why are we still making games within the seven, what is it, the, the nine episode arc? Why don't we do something new and original? Why not, like, why not have a game where you're not playing in the nine episode arc? You're playing... In the old republic, you know, you're a Jedi, you're 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 a Jedi scum. You know, you're playing in 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 one of those in the old republic, but what you're doing is is that you're playing up against before the uh, the rule of two cam comes out, right? If you don't know the rule of two, it is excuse me. It's this philosophy in the Sith where the Sith can only have two active Sith members because the Sith they're always they're these evil, they're these power hungry people. What they always do is they always try and assert their dominance on one another or something like that. I don't know. I don't know the the core concept of the rule. Of two. I know the core concept of the rule is too that there is always a student and there is always a master, and the student always overtakes the master and kills you know the master. That's essentially the purpose of the student, right? So in the rule of two. That's by the way, you, why you also have why you always have like Palpatine, Death Maul, Palpatine, Count Dooku, Palpatine, Darth Vader. Right? You always have two people. He doesn't go out of his way to over recruit. He only has one person because he has the rule of two. Right? Going back into the old Republic, there wasn't that rule of two because the rule of two, by the way, it it's what saved the Sith and not destroyed it because the Sith almost wiped each other out trying to, uh, I guess, attain power. I think that's what happened. But I would really, really like to see something like in The Old Republic, the video game that uh, that Bioware made. Another interception by Mason Rudolph. The Cleveland defenses were trying to return it down. They get in inside the five. I would be really, really interested to see what happens with the rule of two when it comes to... Uh, when it comes, not the rule of two, but when it comes, the, I would really like to see the old Republic and the Sith and you being a Jedi within that organization, you would travel. I would like to see a game like this, but in a different time setting in the universe is what I'm trying to say. Because I think this is a really, really interesting game when it comes to the gameplay. Okay, I got this. I got this. Lucky move. Mm. One of the most difficult enemies to fight are the purge troopers who counterattack after a parry. You have to play very aggressively against them to advance. And play aggressive! Get in his fucking face! 
does. He fucking slashes him in his... Just flat. I'm like, as soon as I said, get in his fucking... He just slashes him in half. He's facing off against the security drone. Slice this bitch in half. Now, the security droids are comparatively easy. They don't seem that affected by force, but their attacks are very telegraphed, making them an easy opponent. Get that bitch! Slice that hole in half! What? What are you doing? Why are you playing like garbage? Get him! Fuck him up! He's playing with his food right now. This dude, whoever's playing, like they're 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 doing way too much. Just kill this bitch. Kill this bitch right now. Kill her. Slice this bitch's leg off. Baker Mayfield in the pocket. Oh, sweet Jesus. Oh my goodness. Wasn't a lot of Baker. By the way, I don't know what's going on with Baker. I'm watching the uh, the Cleveland, Ohio. Five minutes left, by the way. Uh, he had Odell in a flat, uh, in a in a pylon route, in an out route. I don't know what, what the fuck it's called. Uh, I'll get back to the Star Wars. There's five minutes left. They're down... 14 to 7 the Steelers uh it seems like it's about to be 21 to 7 they try and give it to the running back Nick Chubb on the first play from scrimmage on first down they try and give I mean Odell beats beats this dude beats him to the outside let me see he backs off he fa- he he runs like he's running an out route but he cuts back inside nope he nope he just beats him to his spot never mind Never mind. I thought he I thought he ran outside then inside then outside. Nope. Just ran straight up outside. He got the leverage. He beat him to his position. I mean, and Baker just does not throw an accurate pass. He looks to yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Odell can can catch that. He can catch it, but it was out of bounds. I mean, let me check it out. Let me check out the score here. Second and goal. At the four-yard line, by the way. I would not have had a problem if Cleveland had ran it on first down and then tried uh, tried to throw it in on two consecutive plays. It's it's like first it was it was first and t- it was it was first and goal at the four-yard line. Mayfield scrambling. I mean, and he throws it literally right on the helmet of a Steeler defender, but the tight end goes up and over the Steeler to get the football. That's a great pass, great play by the uh, by the Cleveland Browns. I'm actually surprised. That's game. That's ball game right there. Rudolph, Rudolph, as great as his defense has played, like they have shut down the Cleveland offense for like three quarters. Like Rudolph, he ain't doing jack. He ain't about to score two times in one quarter. <clears throat> mm. Actually. It's kind of actually a pretty nice ball by Mayfield. Yeah. 
Hit him right on the chest. Not on the helmet. I thought it, the camera angle made it look like he was aiming for the Steeler helmet. Hit him right on his tight end's chest. We've looked a lot at comp. I'm going to be buying this game to uh, tomorrow. It's about 17 minutes to... Uh, to Friday, so I'm going to be buying this game technically in a couple of minutes today. I'm actually kind of excited to play it. That, but one of my favorite parts are these huge puzzles you'll have to solve. Here's a sneak peek of one of the rooms you'll be navigating. Uh, oh, I love this shit. I fucking love this shit where they have the Star Wars, they have the Jedi be the gladiators. I love this shit. You know what? I take it back. I thought this game wasn't necessarily going to be that great. This this looks like a game of the year contender now. But I love this shit. I love fighting in fucking the gladiatorial arenas. I love it. I love it. The only thing that I wish you could do, change your lightsaber crystal, you know? That's the only thing. I wish there was some really, really cool lightsaber crystals. Like, there's um, there's one in the Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars TV show. There's this one crystal that a Mandalorian has, and it's like this black space crystal. I wish that was in the game. It's probably not. Mandalorian. Black lightsaber. Oh, this is like, this is the fucking coolest thing ever. Ah, oh, it's so freaking cool. I wish they had this in the game, but they don't because it's it, it, they're they're not gonna have it. Here we go. And who are you? <laughs> who am I? I'm Thor Tormo, baby. I'm the boss of this operation. You have greasy forearms to thank for bringing us together. I will. As soon as we get out of here. We have a special challenger for you tonight. An enforcer from a bygone era. A Jedi! A Jedi! You Jedi <laughs> Wait, he doesn't have his lightsaber? Oh, somebody get made his toy. <laughs> he doesn't have his lightsaber, I don't think. No. I'll give you a show. Get him. Finally, we take a look at this prison sequence on both Xbox and PC. I'll let it play out so you can see the culmination of all abilities in one battle. Enjoy, and for more on Star Wars, keep it right here bang. on IGF. Bang. Bang. Fuck that big frog up. Get his ass. Beat his ass. Get those stupid gnat bugs out of my face. Get them out of my fucking face. I don't want to see them. Slice them up. Get them out of my face. Slice them! You get the hang of it quick. Maybe you should come down and face me yourself. Ooh, I like this Jedi. I'm too busy counting my credit. <laughs> He's having to face off against the entirety of the of the animal population. I thought it was going to be a lot harder to one-shot a lot of these. These characters, not these characters, what it's, these animals, these, uh, these, I thought, 
I thought this game was going to be a lot harder than this. If this is the hardest difficulty, I... Oh, Jesus Christ. By the way, Cleveland got a end-of-the-game interception. Thank you, Mason Rudolph. Why couldn't you... Why? Ah, oh, man. I, I think he's thrown two or three interceptions this game. But Cleveland uh, Cleveland shouldn't feel too, too good about themselves. Because against real competition, I think they did beat Lamar. Or did Lamar beat them? I, I forgot who beat who. But it doesn't matter. Because... Uh, <laughs> Against real against real competition, they they kind of fumble and crumble. But you know, there's a lot of football left to play. They can maybe go ten and six. They have to win seven straight games. I've I've seen weirder things happen. I've seen the Philadelphia Eagles win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Stormtrooper, bang. Slice him up. Cut him up. Flamethrower? Not a problem. Not a problem for a Jedi like me. Get out of my face. Deflecting bullets? Get in his face! Get in his face! Get in there! Throw your damn lightsaber! What's next? That's cool. All right. Very, very excited to play that video game. In like 10, 10 hours. Oh, we got the review being posted up. Let me, uh, let me go to the NFL. Maybe, maybe they have it up already. Maybe not. We'll see. Well, we shall see. Oh, I forgot Deshaun and and uh, and uh, Lamar. They play, they play each other. Here we go. I completely forgot that there was a power ranking show. Let me see it. Completely forgot that there was one. Of course, we have to watch an advertisement. Perhaps it's because you're a little off kilter based on a tweet you sent. What's wrong with you? You're the centerpiece of this program. <laughs> it was a Kansas. bad choice. A stomach ache? It was. Okay, so let me see the power rankings right now. 49ers, Ravens, Patriots, Seahawks, Packers. All right. All right. Fine with that. Uh, no idea why the Raven, why the 49ers are so high and the Ravens are so low. Doesn't Doesn't make any sense to me. Then uh, we got. Uh, perhaps I am overrating Lamar Jackson. All right, let's get to the second tier. Here we go. Uh, our second. Where are the Cowboys? They're probably. Hold on. That was the top five. Okay, so the Cowboys are eight. They lost to the Vikings, so there you go. That's why they're number eight. Uh, the Vikings are number seven. The uh, The Saints are six. I think that's a pretty good power rankings because I think those are the teams that are probably going to go to the playoffs, excluding the Vikings. So, and I think those are probably, some of those teams are probably going to be the number one, number two seed. Like, I think the 49ers, they're probably going to be the one seed um, in their conference, obviously. I don't think the Seahawks will because obviously they're in their same division. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. 
the Texans are number nine. People keep on complaining. Why aren't the Texans number nine? It's because, do I need to mention that you guys don't have a good defense and you guys are completely reliant on Deshaun Watson to bail you out of every single situation and that you guys have to play against the freaking Baltimore Ravens? I see Texans fans trolling the Cowboys. I'm like, you guys realize that you actually have to play up against the Patriots this year and the Ravens? Have fun with those two guys. Uh, the Chiefs are 10 I disagree completely. The, the, the Steelers are 12, and the Eagles are 11. Ugh, just disgusting. The Rams are 13. Here we go. I think he's talking about the Cowboys. Did he, did he, did he use literally correctly? I don't think he did. No. no. I never know. I, I just don't say literally. No. I, I think we talked about this on the show last week. The Cowboys are the hill that I chose to die on and fight on. Yeah, and die on that hill. Die on it. Die on it. Die and fight dying. it on and it. Right now I'm dying a little bit, but here's the thing. <laughs> Here is the thing. Again, I look at this roster and I look at where they are positional group-wise, mm. offensive line, running back, quarterback. By the way, no idea why they wore the navy blues at home. You like It should be automatic. That That is probably the worst jersey the Cowboys have. They need to find some type of a new jersey. I That is the worst. At home, you got to wear the whites. You got to wear the whites. I'm wearing a blue and white jersey right now. I'm not wearing a navy blue. I'm wearing a blue and white, not jersey, but t-shirt. I'm wearing a blue and white t-shirt right now. You you got to wear the whites. You got to wear with the whites with the greens every single home game. Don't make this complicated. It's what we're known for. It's what everybody associates with this football team. For the love of Christ, get it right. Don't wear the white. Don't wear the blues. Wear the whites. Whites, the <laughs> I was about to say something terrible. I was about, uh, I won't say it, I won't say it. Wide receiver where Amari Cooper is godlike right now. Michael Gallup's a guy on the rise. And the front seven, which is really good. And with Michael Bennett there, it's better. I, yep. And if you look at advanced. Front uh, seven, tell that to Dalvin Cook. All right, okay. <laughs> seem to care much about that Well, Dalvin seven. Cook is killing everybody this year. But yep, talk about analytics, it. DVOA, that stuff all says. And check this out. Everybody keeps on telling. The only guy that I'm really worried about when it comes to the playoffs right now, running back-wise, that guy, uh, Aaron Jones, twiddled his fingers. He ain't doing a whole lot of twiddling anymore. Twiddling. Who did, who did the Packers play against this week? Who do they play against? Please be someone hard. Please be something. Please, please be a good team. So that way I get to make fun of them if they lose. I love making fun of them. Oh, who do they play against? <laughs> they play against the 49ers. <laughs> have fun. Have fun with fucking the, 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 the 49ers Packers. Oh, my God. I'm like, please be someone difficult. Ah, this is, this is a phenomenal opportunity. This is, this is why I despise Garrett, because if Garrett, if Garrett was better, he would have understood we don't have a lot of room for error. The other teams that are number one in the conference, guess what? They don't have a lot of room for error. They 100% are in trouble if they can't do certain things. I I hate Jason Garrett because if we won against the the Vikings, guess what? One of the two teams that are either 7 and 1 or 8 and 1, they would they now fall. They now go uh they now go down a game and we go up again. We became we become very very close to winning again. But nope, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to be a loser. He wants to lose football games. That's fine. That's fine. You know, that's fine. His ass is grass next year. Still a top 5 team. They just need to go on a run. This is what I'm worried about, buddy. Please, please. We're all ears here, Hanzoos. Jason Garrett, say it. Tavon Austin. Still going. Still going. 
Tavon Austin calling fair catch is so emblematic of this organization and the yeah. Jason Garrett era. Yeah. They're never bold, right? Never and, bold. And you need them to kind of onion up a little bit and start taking chances. They need Get some brass in your shorts, like, Garrett. Uh, Jason Garrett um, a mind switch because otherwise they're just going to continue to kind of beat themselves and they've been doing this for years, and you wonder how much mm-hmm. longer Jason Getz sticks around. I know, perfectly put. Tavon Austin, you will call fair catch no matter what. I'm call. I'm I'm literally going to make a phone call if he every single day on the podcast saying is Jason Garrett fired yet? I'm gonna try. I'm gonna get into contact with the Cowboys number, the Cowboys phone number, and I'm going to start asking people at that organization why is Jason Garrett not fired yet? People are going to be in some trouble if Jason Garrett's behind is still in Dallas. You want to know what I call him? What do I call Jason Garrett? What did I call him? I forgot what I called him. I had a neat little nickname for him. I think it was like the red-headed something. It was the, oh, it was the red-headed J.R. Smith. The red-headed J.R. Smith. Jesus Christ. J.R. Smith, the guy that caused LeBron James to lose game one against the Warriors with Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and, and Clay Thompson, if you, if you don't get that reference. Let me see Cynthia Freeland's top top five here. Patriots. Yeah. I don't agree with the Saints. She's like, she has the Patriots, Saints, Packers, Chiefs, Niners. Uh, did you see the Saints against the four against the Falcons? They were awful. Awful. They didn't even have Muhammad Zanu. They were awful. Packers. Eh, eh. I like the Chiefs. I like the Ravens a little bit more. I think the Ravens' defense is better. Do You know what? Here's the thing. I would boot out the 49ers. I would boot out the 49ers. I would boot out the Saints. Here's what I would do. If we're talking like the top five teams within the NFL... I'm just thinking right now. It would probably have... Wow, Mason Rudolph, I just looked at his... As I am thinking, I'm like, let me just glance over at the football game. How many interceptions does this dude have? He has four, I think. He has four interceptions. Oh, my God. He has four interceptions on the game. Oh, Jesus. Let me see here. I would have the Patriots at the one or the two. I would have... uh, the uh, the Ravens somewhere in the mix uh, because they beat the Patriots. I mean, they haven't lost a lot of football games this year. Uh, I would have the Chiefs up in there. I wouldn't have the Saints, and the Packers would be the lowest. I would probably have Patriots at the one or the two. I would probably have the Chiefs somewhere in there as well. So I don't really have that much of an issue. I would just, I'm not that high. I'm not sold yet on the 49ers. Let's see what they can do against Aaron Bleep and Rodgers. How about that? Let's see what they can do. Let's see what the uh, what the 49ers can do about Aaron Rodgers. Dalvin Cook was honored as the NFC Player of the Week. Would have fucking gone to Dak Prescott if he had fucking... If Jason Garrett hadn't have gotten in the fucking way. Get out of the fucking way, Jason bleeping Garrett. Here we go. Star Wars Jedi The Fallen Order review. Posted literally like 40-something minutes ago. Very, very interested and excited to see... <coughs> What happens?
Best Buy commercial. Jedi Fallen Order pushes all the right buttons for a Star Wars action adventure. It's a genre remix that samples the combat and exploration of a lightened up Dark Souls and the action and energy of Uncharted. And that works out to be a great fit for the return of the playable Jedi. Who's your master, Padawan? Someone I killed, perhaps? What Jedi gave their life so that you might live? This story is dark and absolutely drenched in the trauma of the aftermath of Emperor Palpatine's purge of the Jedi Order five years earlier. Both our young ginger Jedi hero Cal Kestis and his new mentor, Sarah Junda, are defined by survivors' guilt and remorse over what they had to do to escape Order 66. Cal's respectably acted by Cameron Monaghan, even if he never really develops a strong personality that separates him from other- Oh, there's a fight! There's a fight! There's a fight! Ooh, they kicked a player! Ooh, they got a fight! There's a fight. Oh, Garrett swung on him. Miles Garrett just swung on an offensive lineman. Miles Garrett drove uh, drove Mason Rudolph to the turf. The offensive line, they didn't like that. They didn't like that one bit. Miles Garrett, he ain't a punk. He doesn't take that. He ain't a punk. They, an offensive lineman gets in his face. He says, "You ain't, you ain't. I'm not a punk. Who, who are you talking to? You get off me." He start the one of the Steelers. He one of the Steeler players comes off and swings his helmet. Miles Garrett picked it up and started to swing on him. Who fines are gonna be delivered tonight? The NFL, they're going to put it on expediated shipping. They're going to make sure that instead of putting it on that, they don't want to give it to them on that seven-day shipping. They're going to put it on that expediated shipping just to make sure that you get it tonight. Oh, my God. And they're kicking Miles Garrett. I got to see this one again. Yeah, I mean, Miles Mason Rudolph comes in and Miles Garrett has his helmet in his hand and he just swings on him with it. Just starts swinging on him. And they're kicking Garrett, they're punching him, they're doing everything they can to him. I got a whoa. <laughs> this is a fight now. This isn't one of those patty cake, patty cake pushing fights that you see all the time. He swings on Miles Garrett, on, on, on Mason Rudolph. Offensive lineman comes in and they start kicking him. They're trying to separate everybody. Oof. Dang. Let me see it. One minute left in the game. What the hell's going on here? Steelers, take your ass whooping like men. Go home. Go home with a sore rear end. Miles Garrett gets out of there. You don't mess with the big dog in the dog pound now. I mean, benches clear up. J.J. Watt's younger brother, T.J. Watt, he's out there. You got defensive players. You got offense. Everybody's out there. Everybody's like, let's get a piece of this. Let's get a piece of this action. You got the punter. You got the backup quarterback. Why is everybody out there? DeCastro, he's out there. Here we go. Miles Garrett, his ass is grass. He's gone. 
Let me see it. Bang. Bang. Shoves him to the ground. Mason Rudolph doesn't like that. Mason Rudolph really doesn't like that. And he's like, get the fuck off. Miles Garrett. <laughs> My, <laughs> he, ta- he tackles Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph needs to grow up. That's what he needs to do. Because what happened is, is that Miles Garrett just finished the play. And Mason Rudolph does not like that at all. He starts shoving him. And, 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 and it's like, what's it? Miles Garrett is like 300 pounds. And he's like, get off me. Get off me. And, and the offensive line are like, they're trying to, you know, get Garrett off of him. Uh, but Garrett's like, bro, I'm like two, I'm like 300 pounds. I have a six pack at 300 pounds. I'm like a woolly mammoth. Who the fuck do you think you're fucking with right now? I'm Miles bleeping Garrett. Get off me. Then he takes off his helmet because he has his face. He has his face mask. Then he swings on him with the helmet. Jesus Christ. Football game just got very, very interesting. Oof. That's a nice tackle. How do you not like that tackle? And by the way, Rudolph starts it. Let's be honest. I'm like that's that's as nice as a sack as a not as a quarterback hit that you're gonna get. Why does he go after Garrett? He gets hit in the face with the helmet. Miles Garrett does not play that game. But it's like he doesn't he doesn't suplex him. He doesn't body slam him. In fact, Garrett is the one that goes to the ground. Like it's not that big of a deal. But then he starts grabbing on a on a Garrett's helmet and. Garrett, does, he, he ain't playing those games. He ain't playing those games. Garrett is like, I'm, I'm like 300 pounds. I got a six-pack. Oof. He hits him in the head with his own helmet. The irony in that is... <laughs> all right, all right. It, it, it must have fucking hurt. Hopefully he's okay, but Jesus Christ, man. Oof. Fucking hell. That fucking must have hurt. Fucking hell. He took a fucking shot. Ah, fucking hell. Let me see it. They start punching him. Oof. They start going after Rudolph. Oof, man. 
You know what? It sucks because Garrett is easily one of the best pass rushers in the league, and he got a nice shot on Rudolph. It wasn't a dirty shot. I don't know why Rudolph was so negative, but I mean, eesh, man, that helmet. Garrett is a 300-pound dude now, so that that bitch probably, that probably definitely hurt Rudolph. Fucking hell. Could have cracked Rudolph's skull wide open. Oh, fucking hell, man. That bitch fucking hurts. I'm like, just watching that shit makes my head hurt. Let me see it. Tackles Rudolph. Rudolph starts ripping off... Miles Garrett's helmet, so he's like, anything you can do, I can do better. Takes off Rudolph's helmet. He's way stronger than Rudolph. He lifts weights for a living. How is Mason Rudolph not in this football game? Yeah, Rudolph is still in the game. I have no idea how he's in the game. Eight seconds left, too, man. I... They're just going to take a knee and get the hell out of frickin' Cleveland. Everybody's leaving. Five seconds left in the game. They're like, hey. The Steelers, they're leaving. Everybody's leaving.
Ugh, Jesus Christ. What a fucking nightmare for Cleveland. What a fucking nightmare for my fucking playoff pick. They will go up four and six, but Jesus Christ, man. Oh, my gosh. Without Miles Garrett, it's going to be tough. He may be out for six games, man. Mark my word. They don't take this shit serious. Uh, uh, what, not seriously. What's it called? The other one. Lightly. There we go. Jesus Christ. Miles Garrett, your best football player. Probably on the football team. He's now suspended. Baker Mayfield, make no mistake. I mean, they had four interceptions. It should have been a game where they run up the score on this football team, on on the Steelers. And they, uh, they, they barely beat them. Baker just threw Miles Garrett under the bus. Four turnovers. They didn't score any points, I think, off of the turnovers until, like, the fourth quarter. They didn't even score a field goal, by the way. Four turnovers. Four turnovers. Jesus Christ. Four turnovers. Listen, these I, I, I root for these other, for these organizations that have terrible teams, man, but I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, you know how you have two dysfunctional people together in a relationship? I feel like it's kind of like that, where it's like the fan bases, they're extremely dysfunctional, and the owners in the organizations, they're also extremely dysfunctional, because people were, you know, with the Jets, for example, they were talking so much shit after the Dallas Cowboy victory. Out of the Dallas Cowboy game, they were like, you know what, you Cowboy, you stink, you Cowboy, they were talking so much shit, but after the Patriots, after all this stuff, their dysfunction went straight ahead, it returned. It was there when they lost to the Cow, not to the Cowboys, excuse me, 
to the Patriots. Then they lost to the uh, the Jaguars. Their dysfunction returned. And all of these dysfunctional organizations and their dysfunctional fan bases, they kind of get what they deserve, unfortunately. Let's finish this review. Let's finish this podcast off. I've been almost podcasting for almost three hours. Generic good guy Jedi characters. Sarah, on the other hand, far out shines in with an anguish performance from Deborah Wilson. We can't let the sacrifice of those closest to us be for nothing. Even the Imperial Jedi Hunter's second sister has unexpected depth, which is a pleasant surprise after the two-dimensional Inquisitors seen in Star Wars Rebels. A little bit of the original trilogy's swashbuckling charm shines through, though. Calicam! You were talking in your sleep. Weirdo. And we get a fair amount of comic relief from Captain Grease and the ever-adorable chicken-leg droid BD-1. Get it? Buddy? Oh, I'm happy to see you too. He's extremely useful thanks to his hacking abilities and how he'll jump off your shoulder to subtly draw your attention to interesting stuff. The main quest sends our freckle-faced oh, force- Oh, okay, so you can change your lightsaber color. Because right now he does have the green one. ...user and crew on the Star Wars version of an Indiana Jones archaeological adventure. From the opening scene where the remains of the prequel trilogy are being literally torn apart for scrap. The attention to detail and obvious love for the source material shows. There's the uh, there's the old Star Wars ships, the uh, the old Republic ships. Ah, oh, ah, oh, that's version so of an Indiana Jones archaeological adventure. From the opening scene where the remains of the prequel trilogy are being literally torn apart for scrap. The attention to detail and obvious love for the source material shows. Nearly everything looks and sounds amazing and authentic, though the walking carpets that are the Wookiees do look offensively ugly. Oh. <laughs> Glad to help. All of that detail isn't free. Jedi Fallen Order aims for 60 frames per second in performance mode on Xbox One X and PlayStation 4 Pro, but it doesn't always stay on target. Even a PC with a GeForce 2080 has trouble on ultra settings. And especially when you're entering a new area, there tends to be a moment of choppiness, but it passes before the action starts. <laughs> Jedi Fallen Order incorporates just about every trick in the third-person action game playbook. And the throw ride is at its best when it's chaining all of these together and requiring a bit of timing to pull off. It only gets better as more force abilities are introduced and enhanced. The lightsaber is the only weapon you'll use, so it's a good thing it looks and sounds completely authentic to the movies and feels great. Combat definitely draws from Dark Souls with its emphasis on carefully timing strikes, parries, and dodges while watching the enemy for tells. On Jedi Master difficulty, I found that just about every enemy was seriously dangerous, especially in groups. Except for basic stormtroopers, who are very on-brand and easy to kill. Okay, I got this. I got this. Lucky move! Sparring with bosses and foes with lightsaber-like weapons looks especially fantastic. Nailing your part of this precise, on-the-fly choreography of blocking, countering, and dodging unblockable attacks is always rewarding, and the excitement is frequently refreshed by a surprisingly wide selection of enemy types. But yeah, it's kind of a bummer the humanoid enemies don't get carved up like the droids and the beasties, because moves like this really should take off a chunk. Talking about dismemberment, which it's been a huge thing. It doesn't matter. Like, do you honestly think they could have dismemberment in a T for Teen game, which is the game that they're trying to market, which is the rating that they're trying to have? They're not trying to freaking have a rated M. They're not trying to have dismemberment. Cal's collection of force powers is pretty conservative. It's mainly a time freeze, push, and pull. But they're all useful in multiple ways, in combat and puzzle solving, so it feels more diverse than that. And all I really need is to be able to shove dudes off ledges. Speaking of falling, when you die that way, you instantly come back to try again. 
but when you're struck down, consequences are more severe but cleverly handled. While you do lose your accumulated XP when you're killed, you get it all back the first time you strike your killer. Not only that, your health and force meter are refilled, so you're taking them on at full strength. That's a great way to give you a leg up against something you had a hard time with already. Also borrowing from Dark Souls, Jedi Meditation Circles let you set your spawn point and give you the opportunity to spend any skill points you've earned. But if you rest to restore all your health, force, and healing items, it respawns every enemy on the map. Considering how tough some enemies are, that's not a no-brainer decision. BD. Though they seem small at first, each world you visit is revealed to be surprisingly large, with huge sections and shortcuts locked behind barriers you'll eventually learn to overcome. Some of them are dramatically different from area to area, and a few really cool ones stand in stark contrast with traditional Star Wars settings. Several, especially the ancient alien tombs you raid, are loaded with simple but fun puzzles. I admit one or two were tricky enough to make me scratch my head for a while. There's almost never too much of it at once though, so between that, combat, and platforming, you're rarely doing the same thing for long. The map screen is minimalist, but it does give you an idea of where you've been, how much is left to do in an area, and the direction you should head in. That's especially useful when you're headed back to your ship after completing a story objective, since there's no fast travel. I also really appreciated that it clearly marks where you can't go yet because you don't have the right abilities, and highlights the new places you can go with something you recently unlocked. Huge time saver right there. You'll find tons of cosmetic loot in chests and forced echoes, aka Jedi audio logs, and that gives you plenty of reason to veer left when you're told to turn right or to revisit an old location. Sometimes you'll even find a chest with a permanent health or force boost, which kept me turning over every rock. You'll also gather a heaping pile of customizable lightsaber parts that let you personalize the hell out of it, but it's all cosmetic. Improving in combat is all up to you. Without spoiling the ending, Jedi Fallen Order sticks the landing with its story after around 20 excellent hours. It's wrapped up with a tough, climactic boss fight and a thrilling finale, and there's no big cliffhanger to worry about. After all, we already know where the galaxy needs to end up by Episode 4. And with the Force? Yes, with the Force. I know you said it could be overwhelming. Haven't gotten myself killed yet. It's been ages since we got a great single-player Star Wars action game. A strong cast sells a dark story while keeping things fun and loyal to Star Wars lore. Nine. And fast, challenging combat mixes with... Looks like I'm gonna pick that up to uh, tomorrow. <clears throat> Sorry that I was really, really quiet for the majority of that. I was kind of just I I like the gameplay. I like it a lot. I got a video to upload. I got uh, I got a lot of stuff to do within the next couple of hours, but I will be back tomorrow. Hold on. There we go. There he is. Anyways, I will be back tomorrow for some more podcasting. I won't. Uh, you know, I'll give my, I'll give some of my first thoughts here on the podcast. I'll play it. I'll play some of the game. Probably a little bit. I'll talk about it as well. But until my next podcast, until tomorrow, I hope you have a fantastic day. By the way, if you like this podcast. Subscribe to it. Give it a like. Whatever. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Podcast, Radio Public. Pretty much where you can find any podcast, you can find 24's podcast. Until my next episode, I hope you have a fantastic day. And I'll see you tomorrow.